and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I am Ben Hansen, joined by Janet Garcia. Yo, what's up? Joined by Kyle Hilliard. What's up? And mysterious guest. You, you, maybe people haven't checked the description or anything, so they don't know who the fourth person is yet on this podcast. But let me set it up by saying this. This fourth person is no guest. This fourth person is the brand new MinMax cohort. Woo! Reveal yourself, mystery identity. It's me. It's Sarah. I'm back. <laughs> Sarah Pazorski, <laughs> welcome to MinMax. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me at the big kids' table. Yes, absolutely. Out of that streaming den you've been banished yeah. to. I don't know what's happening over there. Leave this streaming compatriot stuff aside. Yeah. Welcome, Sarah. Uh, we've wanted to bring Thank you on you. for a while, so it's very exciting to have you. And uh, the community is lighting up with excitement, so that's a good sign. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Back again. Thought you saw the last. Yeah. Thought you saw the last of me. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's to have you on board. Um, so we'll be outlining, you know, what the future will look like for everybody. Basically, you'll be in the normal rotation. Seems like still you'll be doing those Tuesday streams and all that fun mm -hmm. stuff. So not too much is changing immediately, but it'll be fun to have you leave a big old stamp on MinMax and help steer this ship any direction you want. I mean, into the rocks, off a cliff. Honestly, it's yours. Here are the keys. Take it. Yay. Great. All right, everybody. We have a lot to go through today. We are going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct. I know it's a little bit old, but we're going to be talking about that Mario movie because it aired or like that Nintendo Direct happened right when the last show aired. Uh, we'll be talking about Death Stranding Director's Cut. Yes, Kyle? Yes, please. There it is. Uh, we'll be talking a little about Eastward, Toem, Sable, a bunch of little indie games, stuff like that. And then back after the show, we'll be joined by Leo Vader for some wonderful community questions. But we're going to pull one question up front to the top this is the community kickoff so sarah remember at the end of the show when we have to choose like our absolute favorite number one community question yeah. okay great uh, this is in the running still we're just taking one and moving it up just moving to it. have okay. uh, some community interaction at the top of the show but this is from dunder dear friend dunder and they say hello ben and the cohorts look accurate you didn't even realize it look at that uh he says simple question what one thing would you change about your all-time favorite game it's a good question. Uh, Sarah, okay, you're going to like sit and just think really hard and then just knock this out of the park. But Kyle, you got to you got to kick this sucker off for community kickoff. So my Ocarina of Time what is what I was thinking of. And I was like, what are what are some shortcomings in Ocarina of Time? Yeah. And uh, the one that I don't know, it's not even like a change so much is like I wish there were more side quests. I wish there were more opportunities to have these big deep like chains of activities to do with uh, the secondary characters. Like, there's cool stuff like where you can get the Bigoron sword, right? And that kind of thing, which is like the most in depth like side quest in the game. But I would love to have had the opportunity to just like spend more time with the dude who reaching hole and stuff like that. Like maybe he needs something across the map. I would have loved more stuff like that in that game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good because yeah, what are the big side quests in that game? Like, what is like the most adventurous stuff they got going on there? I mean, it's like little things to get heart pieces, but like the big Goron sword is like the, you know, the biggest one with the, the strangest reward. And then there's all the Skulltalas and you can like kind of learn about that family that became spider spirits. I don't remember all the details, but I, I, I love that kind of stuff, especially because I was so obsessed with that game and I would play it over and over. I just, I wish there had been more sort of uh, opportunities to go off the tracks, you know, and then, and then Majora's Mask almost like built its whole structure around that like that whole right. game is kind of like side quest to a certain degree you know yeah so they rebounded a big way yeah that's a weird way of looking at it uh 
Sarah, all right, you're stepping up to the bat. Taking that, that was big such swing. a well thought out answer. Uh huh. I know. Yeah. Like I, the detail in that. Mm-hmm. Like we should just call Nintendo and tell them to, you know, fix it, re-release it again. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna fee. say, yeah, for a fee. I'd pay that. Uh, yeah, I was, I was between. Um, I was thinking about all the Animal Crossing games that yeah. I love to play so much, and I still miss the original Animal Crossing dialogue where they were mean to you. Uh, in the later <laughs> Animal Crossing games, they're a lot nicer to you. Right. But in like in the beginning game, there was just that little bit of spice when you, they, you first met your villagers. And I miss it. Because you it really felt like you were building a friendship. And now it just feels like you're in a cult and everybody's nice to you. You're right. Like, there's some magic sauce to, like, those big series where the first entry, they don't know that they're going to be big. They don't know that it have to be saccharine sweet to everybody, and it can just be mm-hmm. a little bit weirder. Like, I don't know, early Simpsons. I'm trying to think of even, like, Toy Story. I'm trying to think of those early entries where they're a little bit, like, accidentally edgy in retrospect. And this is the idea mm-hmm. of, like, yeah, being treated like an outsider. I feel like in the Animal Crossing series, that would be impossible now. It's like the whole goal yeah. is every villager has to just, like fall to your feet and kiss and wash them. Like, that's the vibe of Animal right? Crossing now. Instead of like... Why do you get so biblical? I don't know. Yeah, it's on my mind. It's Animal Crossing. It brings up big, grand ideas like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good. All right, Janet, what do you got? You should also bring NES games while they're back at it. Yeah. They need, a, they need to do a lot in Animal Crossing. Let's just yeah. <laughs> over, I mean, overhaul yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the older stuff kind of fell the wayside. I think for me, my favorite game is Jack, is Jack 2. So um, the first thing I thought of was the driving, because the driving's real bad. But that's not the worst part of the game. So I'm going to change it and go um, evening out some of the difficulty spikes in that game. I think that's the thing I hate the most about it. It's the thing that makes me afraid to replay it. I did replay it in college, so I know I still like love it. But um, it... It, it damn near brought me to tears playing that game. Now, I got I feel like I've gotten a lot better as a gamer since college, like between now. So maybe it wouldn't be as brutal. But like the area in the water slums where there's just like a bunch of um, police after you and you also have to like not fall in the water. It's just a mess. It is awful. And the area which this I don't think got any better because it's just it's still terrible. But the um, there's an escort mission in the caves and you have like two or three people with you and none of them can die, but none of them can fight either. And you also have like inject too. you have like area. What is it called? Area of effect or whatever. You yeah. have attacks that like do spread damage and friendly fire does exist in that. So it's like, OK, I can't use any of my like really OP moves because then I'll kill the people I'm with. And it's just it's it's bad. It's not fun. It's like <laughs> one of the least favorite experiences I've had. So I would just maybe just throw that whole mission away. Hey, you don't even yeah. have to fix it. Just get rid of it. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick for mine. Hey, Final Fantasy VII, everybody. Um, obviously, it's like, okay, uh, light spoiler for Final Fantasy VII. Light. There's snowboarding in it later. The section what? after the snowboarding, it's basically like a maze. It's not good. Any maze in any game, get it out of here. Mazes should be banned from all games. But in general, I think the big problem with Final Fantasy VII is like that original script. Really thinking about it, it was like barely acceptable when i was 12 playing it for like yeah this is this is like literature this is awesome but you go back and look at that now and like i know a lot of it's obviously in the localization area that sarah knows a thing or two about Mm -hmm. it is it is a rough go like (laughs) to think that i'm so attached to that story when the writing is barely coherent at times it'd be so nice to actually rework that thing from the ground up and actually add some depth and meaning to these characters that is probably there in the japanese I don't know, Sarah, do you have any insight into the... Oh, maybe not. Well, somebody could add a little more flavor in there. 
I just don't know if, like, everyone's like, oh, clearly the Japanese is hiding some deep, dark secret that has not been given to me. And I feel like most of the time that's not the case. Um, Maybe there's a little bit more flavor, but I don't think, like, who knows who wrote that game? Was it, like, a writer or was it, like, Tanaka from Accounting likes to write dialogue? Like, we don't know. It's just kind of pieced together. Well, at least I think there's room to kind of add some more depth to the characters mm-hmm. in there with a localization. But anyways, that's it. But thank you, Dunder, for submitting a wonderful community question. Um, all right. The Nintendo Direct happened last Thursday. Uh, very exciting stuff. It was packed full. Kyle streamed a big reaction stream with dear friend of the show, Serial Vasquez, jumping in there. It's fun to see you two jump in there and do a yeah, reaction. Yeah, with like no that. issues, surprisingly. <laughs> Just swimmingly, started right on time. Uh, it, was, it was, look. We were is, late. They were late, and this is a longer story. Uh, we tell it on the new episode of MinMax Council, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, but while Kyle uh, and the tech was <laughs> melting down for the Nintendo Direct, I was proposing to my girlfriend, so troubleshooting a live stream, Kyle. Wait, wait, wait. Was it really, like, at the, literally the same it time? Was, or was it was it like... with, within an hour. Uh, so I, it was, there was like peak so stress ring in the pocket. And it was like, I need to now access my computer remotely to salvage this thing. But the point is it got out there, was sent out into the world. And then everybody got to see your raw reaction to so many great things. We'll get to the I biggest. I can't believe you took the risk to propose to somebody during a Nintendo direct. First of all. Yeah. <laughs> I what, know. Like what, uh, first of all, an error. I know. Just. Well, this is the problem that Nintendo has. Like, they need to let everybody know exactly when the Nintendo Directs are coming up, like, months in advance, so that when you're planning a vacation where you're going to propose, everybody can kind of work around it accordingly, because mm-hmm. it was no, it this was is damning. on you. You should have told them. It's not on them. It's on you, Hanson. You should have tweeted at them. <laughs> DM Kit I thought you're a real Nintendo fan here. Like, you know? <laughs> you wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a mess. But, hey, exciting stuff nonetheless. Um, what do you think the star of the show was, other than the Mario movie? Like, do you think Kirby was the biggest, the biggest thing? I think it depends on who you talk to. Yeah. There was really something for everyone in there, but I think Kirby was, like, the the thing that they were pushing as the big thing. Right. And so this is... Yeah, well... Oh, yeah. I mean, Bayonetta was the, the one of last course. thing, right? But, uh, but they N64 didn't say one last thing, big for me. which was disappointing. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it felt like there were several one last things. Like, I was still processing... Yeah. One last things, and then they kept throwing more things at me, and I'm like, wait, no, I'm still, I'm, I'm not ready. We need to take like a pause. They absolutely should. After the Mario casting announcement, they should have just like cut to just a windswept plane for 15 minutes and let people <laughs> yes, catch their, let everybody get their jokes out of their system on Twitter, exactly. and then we can come back and try and focus on Bayonetta three instead of just plowing ahead when everybody was talking over the wonderful Splatoon trailer. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. We we got other stuff to think about here. Um, but you think yeah. they were surprised by the reaction? Like, do you think that they didn't think it was going to be like that? How would you describe it? I mean, you're in the middle of the whirlwind, Kyle. I was kind of catching up after the fact. What was it like to be at the center of that hurricane? I mean, it was definitely like this sort of like nuclear bomb dropped in the middle of the direct that like, like you said, like everyone was just flabbergasted even through Splatoon and stuff like that. Like, I think if they had any... Uh, if they thought it was going to do that, maybe they would have put it at the end or something. But it's also not a video game announcement. I'm sure they would rather make a video game announcement at the end of their direct. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it is just crazy to have like a cast reveal as one mm-hmm. of the biggest things in here. That would normally be something that would be mm-hmm. tweeted out or it would just be leaked in IMDb. And they brought IMDb. like Miyamoto out to introduce it too. So I yeah, was that like, was what's huge. happening here? And then he was like, we've got people in a, a movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's so yeah cool. that was kind of like i was never I, I got so excited like i got and it was it was crazy like i forgot for a second i guess how much of a nintendo stan i am but when Mino, miyamoto showed up i was like i acted like he was here like in my house i was like <laughs> oh my god i'm like oh, it's miyamoto oh my, and then it was so funny too because i was playing like um i do bingo cards for my uh twitch community whenever okay. there's like a bigger showcase or direct so i made one for uh, Nintendo, um, and I have like a little like Mario icon, like that I used as like the sticker. So I had it pulled up on like one of my monitors, and that was the image that was on his shirt. And I just like looked at him and looked at the image, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm such a freaking nerd, like oh, whatever. Wow. I'm like, it's I'm like, Miyamoto's here, like tell me something about Mario Odyssey too. And then he's like, oh, there's a movie, and I'm like, all right, well, it's still nice to see you out here living your <laughs> life. You know, it's- yeah, and it's crazy. Like in the COVID era, I feel like it's it's a rare treat. There was a while there. Where it's like over a year and we just didn't see Miyamoto. So still to see him is still amazing. And I'd imagine this is going to be, you know, the next period of the game industry is like every time he comes out, it's going to feel more and more special until he's 95 years old. And they're just rolling him across the stage real quick. And everyone goes, oh, my childhood. It's so great he to see him. Been- Aging gracefully, though, I just want to say, like, I didn't realize how long it has been since I've seen him last. Yeah. But he is like showing a bit more age. And I was just like, how long has it been? <laughs> How much time has passed? What has happened to me? Uh, yeah. So, the big reveal. The big cast reveal for the Mario movie. Um, Kyle, do you want to walk us through how this whole thing happened? Yeah, they're like, alright, uh, well, I don't know. Let's see. Did they did they say, like, alright, we're gonna, we're gonna reveal the cast, and yeah. then they're like, first up, Chris Pratt is Mario. And then that was it. Everyone was done. We all... Uh, you know, signed off and went to bed early. <laughs> we're just like, what? It was like the best icebreaker you could have just for prepare yourself, everybody. This is going to be dumb. Chris Pratt is Mario. Okay, you're still with us? Okay, now we got some more reveals going. I thought it was a joke. I was like, I was expecting like a just kidding or it's like a game thing. Like I was literally sitting there like, it's not real, right? Right. This not, you're going to tell me that this is a joke, right? <laughs> It's it's it just is a nice reminder of like oh that's right Hollywood is just a a nasty shallow place like I don't know if you saw it I think Kyle you posted it um, but somebody left a comment letting us know that Serial apparently predicted this back on the Game Informer show in 2017 when they first announced the movie was happening as just like a stupid joke Serial's like yeah Chris Pratt is Mario because it is just like the lowest common denominator stupid choice and the fact that like no no Mm. that is just what Hollywood is is that lowest common denominator stupid choice you you can't argue with it yeah and it's like honestly like it's if you sort of step back and consider what the movie well I mean what we know about it now is it's like it's an illumination production it's uh from you know the guys that did minions and stuff like that right. they've been working on it like to have a big celebrity voice star is not surprising ultimately yeah you know but just something he just was like like so left field I don't know they it was like the all everything else was funny and surprising like Charlie day is Luigi but it was just did not throw me off as much as Chris Pratt. It just was like the last person I would have expected, you know? Yeah. I think too, like people, I've seen a lot of people, there's like two camps that I've seen from this. Oh my God, it's Chris Pratt. Like, why is it Chris Pratt? And then people being like, oh, what's wrong with Chris Pratt? And if you don't know what's wrong with Chris Pratt, Google, why are people mad at Chris Pratt? And you'll get some answers to it. I mean, I think for me, like, it's nothing against his skill set. Like, I think he does fine as like an actor. And I heard that he was pretty good in the Lego movie. So, which is very cool. (laughs) Miyamoto himself said he's so cool. 
Um, but yeah, like Chris Pratt as like a person has like ideologies I don't vibe with. So I don't, well, I'm just sure. not excited when I see, oh, Chris Pratt's here at this point in his career, personally. It is weird though to think of like the Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec connection now between the Sonic the Hedgehog movie with Ben Schwartz mm-hmm. as Sonic mm-hmm. and now we got him, we got Chris Pratt as as Mario. So that just, that ripped off the band-aid and it's just bizarre. But at the same time, it's like, I think anybody they announced for Mario was going to be jarring. If it's not Charles Martinet, absolutely anybody that they could have possibly introduced will throw people off and everybody will be up in arms. Like, there's no good option. Hang on, Sarah Pazorski for the audio <laughs> listeners is revealing what might be, it seems like some sort of uh, Dead Sea Scroll level of importance. What is this, Sarah? <laughs> So when I was at E3, God, this was probably 2019, um, Luigi's Mansion was the big game, and I met, he was here, voicing Luigi, oh, and wow. I ran into him. Charles and I got Martinet, a picture, for those Yeah, Charles Martinet yeah. was there, and I ran into him, and I took a photo with him, and he just handed me this, like, signed poster of himself <laughs> with all the characters that he's voiced. I'm like, look at this man and tell me that he doesn't deserve better no he deserves better he absolutely his, wait, wait, I, I can't even hold look on, him in the eyes after what they did I, to him i also met him outside of the luigi's mansion thing and he oh, can't did you anything. not get a poster so did you yeah. not get a poster <laughs> i got a signed poster maybe he, he ran out too liberal i still have the poster that to anybody by the time i get there he's just like oh, i don't got anything yeah no oh no God. i didn't get a poster a smiley face on it. damn it that is cool me and moto really should have just like a cordial smiling contest like whoever is like the most like i want to chat with this person it wins you know yeah, so they revealed that, hey, look at him. He's still going to be in the movie. He's going to have some cameos. Do you think that's going to be like a Mark Hamill in Star Wars where he's like, I'll voice the freak alien in the background. Uh, give me mm-hmm. the freaks, please. Like, do you think that's going to... Like, I know in, in your reaction stream, Sergio Vasquez was, was saying, Kyle, that it'll maybe be like a flashback and have Mario, like, that's his old voice or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I put a lot of faith in Serial and all things in yeah. life, but yeah. after learning that he had <laughs> called Chris Pratt in 2017, there's no way he's wrong. In fact, yeah. I think that his Birdo casting choice is probably going to come to fruition as well. And who is that? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is this is where it gets weird. It's like, it's fun to try... Oh, by the way, uh, real quick, what's uh, uh, Anna Taylor-Joy? Is that her name? Is mm-hmm. uh, Peach Daniel Day's Anya. Luigi Anya? Thank you, uh, Char- Charlie Day's Luigi. Everybody's very excited about it. Keegan, uh, Keegan Michael Key is Toad, which people were like, "All right, that actually sounds so absurd." I think I'm mm-hmm. I've That's looped back around. I'm excited for it. Uh, Jack Black is Bowser, which. I don't think people were outraged about it. At that point, we couldn't be stunned, so it's just kind of like, sure, that seems fun. Yeah. He's now clapped. No, Jack, and- Jack Black is like, he's like crossed that like Keanu Reeves line where he can't do wrong on the mm-hmm. internet anymore. He's just like, that's who he is now. Like after um, Pick of Destiny, like that was the line where <laughs> now he can do no wrong. Is that what you're saying? No, it's the TikToks that he makes with his kids. So uh, I, think is what it is. I see. Um, and then the one that is just like the perfect grand finale here is the reveal that Donkey Kong will be voiced by Seth Rogen. And so this is also, uh, we got Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. So like trying to figure out what is the plot of this movie going to be is the part that I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. Because you think about like if Cranky Kong's in there, that would imply that Mario is very old since that's the original Donkey Kong. If Nintendo is sticking to their own lore... So will it be something where it like flashes back and shows their battles and then in those flashbacks 
Mario will have Charles Martinet's voice. Maybe it's like a multiverse situation. I feel like everyone's leaning into that like really heavily. They're like, how will you get tired of us telling these kind of stories? Let's find out together. So I feel like that would be where that comes in. You think it's gonna be like a Sonic Generations thing where they have like the two Marios like teaming up or whatever? I would rather have that than the sort of someone lands in, in the mysterious world of, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is like Sonic enters our world. Right. I don't want anyone to enter any worlds. <laughs> I would like it to just take place in Toadstool Kingdom, and that's like, you know what I mean? We don't need an amnesiac to give us all the context or someone going, "Whoa, what is this?" And then having someone explain everything because they're they fell through a portal. I don't want that. Ooh, but honestly, hang on. This movie is going to open with Cranky Kong giving the history of Mushroom Kingdom. Right? He's like the one who's been around forever and kind of explaining that rivalry with Mario and explaining to Seth Rogen Donkey Kong why Mario should be, you should be worried about him. And then they'll have a little cheeky moment of be like, well, how is he old enough to battle you, but still around now? And they'll reveal what Miyamoto has previously said in an interview that somehow Mario is 24 to 25 years old. And so that's sort of the first clue that we couldn't predict and everybody's screaming that it should be Danny DeVito is just right out the window of Miyamoto himself is like, oh no, Mario's 24. I don't know why there's any confusion about this. He's just a very handsome 24-year-old man. Um, but Kyle, like you pointed out that the team behind this movie, the directors, are from Teen Titans Go. And so like, I think yeah. this movie is going to be very meta if that's any indication because they love oh, wrapping yeah. in on themselves. I mean, I honestly like... I, I like I don't maybe my reaction betrays it if you go back and watch it but like I'm not like offended by the cast like I think it's I think it's all a bunch of funny performers that I like yeah. you know what I mean and it makes me optimistic about the movie but when I learned that who their their names are um Aaron Horvath, uh, Aaron Horvath and Michael and Michael uh, Jelinek like are directing like that's I'm totally on board cuz Teen Titans Go and Teen Titans Go to the movies the, in particular the movie is like fantastic like just incredible yeah. and it make it gives me a ton of confidence in the movie honestly mm-hmm. yeah this is like a trust the process i don't <laughs> right now i don't see it right i don't know what's gonna happen but they have the pieces for it to be good and i we just have to wait until they give us more information yeah janet have you ever seen t titans go to the movie go to the movies no Mm-mm. It's it's surprisingly good. Um, and it has, if I can spoil the final joke in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, Kyle, sure. I need your permission. See you, Mac. Okay, thank you. Um, I love it so much. It's just like this overall, it's an absurd movie, right? They have um, Stan Lee give a cameo in a DC film. Like, it's just that level of meta and weird, but it's overall like a musical and it's very silly. And then like, they're all standing around for the final shot. And this is my memory of it, Kyle. I remember watching this on an airplane. And when it ended, I was like, what? That's so absurd and amazing. So it ends with them standing around. And then it's like, all right, movie's over. And it starts to like an iris close as the movie's ending. And then Robin looks directly at the camera and says, kids, ask your parents where babies come from. Cut to credits. <laughs> it's like the craziest joke to end this children's film with. And so that joke alone uh-huh. gives me some faith in this movie. That's wild. I don't gonna happen here i hope not that'd be hilarious though (laughs) mario was just like hey ask your parents mario is chris pratt as his ask your parents where babies come from i think it'd be nice um but here's the other thing that i'm thinking way too much about is the idea that like okay at some point mario and luigi need to split up like they can't have their first movie be these brothers are best buds forever and like exasperated Luigi, jealous Luigi, sad Luigi, that's the best Luigi, especially Charlie Day, like that is peak. 
And so the memes is, have been really good with that. Oh, really? What kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, like um, the it's always sunny um thing with the you know conspiracy lines, but they like right. drew, redrew it as Luigi because that like I feel like most of the casting, other than the Chris Pratt thing, and even taking Chris Pratt being a janky person aside, sure, like just personality wise with the roles he's taken. Granted, Mario's kind of a weird blank slate character. Like, he doesn't really have a personality. Like, he just is. Right. So I don't really know if anyone other than, like, you know, the voice actor that plays him would, like, quote-unquote, make sense to me. No. While the other characters do have, like, personas that I think match the people that were casted as them. Yeah. And so... That's the thing is Luigi, I feel like, needs to be sad and left out at some point for the, the big reunion to happen. Sarah, I know you it's... Really want, you really want that Luigi villain arc. I'm not you villain, really want but that. we need to have a scene of, like, those brothers separating Luigi, getting sad, getting jealous, being like, oh, Mario has all the success. So it's like, is it going to be that Mario defeats... Is that Luigi's thing, though? Is he, like, jealous? I feel like he's more he's more anxious and, and like, neurotic than oh, jealous. Oh, that's Luigi's mansion, but I think he's jealous, like, in the Mario in more, Luigi in games. In Luigi RPGs, there's some sort of flavoring okay. of like he's always second you know right right and so it's like is he gonna have is mario gonna be successful from defeating donkey kong and then that's what luigi is gonna be torn apart like i don't know <laughs> like sad about them they You're have to really join trying forth. to like predict this movie i know that's what it's i'm like trying to do cannot, it cannot be predicted all right um <laughs> so she's right i also went down this uh, rabbit hole of trying to figure out like how much has mario talked what is the most that Mario has ever communicated? And correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, but I believe the answer is a deep cut, which is a promotional video that Nintendo released for Mario Sports Mix on the Wii. They released this 10-minute video with Mario doing like a press conference talking about sports and stuff. Here's a, here's a taste of Charles Martinet. And just imagine an entire movie of this and how many people would have walked Scared. out of the theater. Okay. So... This game features a wide cast of characters, including some of your best buds and fiercest foes. Talk about going head-to-head -head with them. Well, you know how it is. You always want to play with the best. And these guys gave me the best challenge. Mamma mia. I get a little tired time and time again. One up in the competition. Just the other day, I was talking with the Donkey Kong, and he said... Please. <laughs> Please. Okay, well, so we'll stop it there. You can think it's ten minutes of just the hammiest crap. That would be unbearable. Yeah. I like the idea of Mario saying just the other day, as if to set up <laughs> some, like, story. He's just, he's living in the moment. Um, anyways, yeah, also, I guess we quickly referenced a couple things, but just for some recaps here, uh, Kirby, Forgotten Lands. It's a 3D Kirby game, which is very fun. I went over and checked... Uh, the Kirby Reddit, and they were lighting up. <laughs> like, finally, they're doing it. They're giving us, like, a real 3D Kirby game. So, very excited for them. Um, Bayonetta 3 was very confusing. Seems like the hardcore fans are very confused about the timeline, but the part that blows my mind is it's, like, Bayonetta fighting kaiju and, like, giant monsters and stuff. But then that's really weird, because Platinum earlier this year revealed what they called Project GG, which is another, like, kaiju game. And so it's really bizarre that it's like two platinum games where that's like the central conceit. But I don't know. It seems good. I do are cool. I do are cool. Uh, and then... Uh, They're very cool. He's very cool. And then the N64 stuff, Kyle. Do you want to explain what that was? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, N64 games are coming to Switch in the same way that SNES and NES games are on there now. But it looks like it's going to be a, a larger fee. Right, like like yeah. the, the subscription service is going to be more expensive, and they'll add Genesis and N sixty four games. 
But the weird, dumb thing that I'm excited about, I haven't bought any of these to date, but I will buy that wireless N64 Switch controller. Yeah, for like, 50 Like, that bucks. thing is, like, that's really weirdly cool. I also like the idea of having, like, a functioning N64 controller with a control stick that's not worn out. No? I wonder. <laughs> like, I wonder if it will actually be, like, metal or if they'll stick with the plastic and it will just wear out after, you know, a couple months. I don't know. Yeah, just don't The play. original failed controller. That's true. Yeah, just don't play. I hope play. it hurts my hand the same. I hope my hand cramps up after an hour of Mario Tennis in the same exact way or I don't want it. Yeah, that's nostalgic <laughs> cramping. I think they really need that to happen. Mm-hmm. But anyways, a lot of exciting stuff there. You can check out the reaction stream to, to dive in. Um, hey, Kyle. Mm. Death Stranding Director's Cut is out on PS5. Yeah. Uh, a game that I'm trying to remember. You liked the original Death Stranding but didn't love it. Was that the original hot take from you? Yeah, no, I, I like it overall. I and like if you kind of break it down to its components, there are elements yeah. that I like a lot more than others. You know, like the the world building, I would like yeah, love. The story is like okay. Some of the mechanics, I'm like meh on. It's like it's like a intentionally difficult experience to give you these moments of satisfaction, but right. it's like not always compelling consistently but like I yeah I was like weirdly excited for the director's cut just because like I I liked that world a lot and I wanted to see more of the story content yeah Sarah you streamed Death Stranding I did how did that go I did let's just say that Kojima doesn't know it but he is my nemesis oh in all things he is like if I ever get my own villain arc right Kojima probably started it um it was a game that had things in it. And like, I don't really know what to say. Like I played it for a long time. It's a long game. I played it all the way to the end. I did everything. And at the end, it's just kind of like, I had nothing but like emptiness inside and anger. Okay. Yeah. But what if you had, had, what if it was like an emptiness and anger generator colon director's cut? See, the thing about the director's cut is it looks like they just, because you can fly in the director's cut. Yeah. And they just took everything about the main game, which was annoying, which was playing it, which was walking. And they said, but what if you didn't have to do that anymore? Right. And right. people are paying for that <laughs> again. Like, I don't I don't get it. It's really hard to reach that stuff. Like that stuff is like the huge reward for the people that want to put in a ton of time. Oh, OK. Like you can get upgrades that will let you just leap off mountains. But, like, you have to put in a ton of time to get that stuff. So it is kind of like, I don't know, I almost see it as, like, for the people who, like, really, really loved it. And, like, and and, and you can transfer your save over so you don't have to start over, which is nice. Um, like, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's not... I, I, it's like the, I, so it's like a Disney I'm hesitant fast to say pass. it like it, it removes yes. like all the main core mechanic of the game because like that stuff is still there in a big way but it's like you you can make it easier if you played it to far beyond the point of you know still having a good time with it right I mean are you enjoying your time with the director's cut then you think it's worthwhile yeah I so I yeah I, I liked it like I because I got all the I got through all the story stuff um, which is like it, it, the way it works is like if you started from zero, it's kind of like sprinkled throughout the game. But since I just transferred my completed game over, I was able to just do like the five missions in a row, which is like you making your way deeper and deeper into this factory. Like your first mission, you unlock the door, you come back, and then you go into the first room, and then you come back, and then you go, you know, into the second room, and then you go all the way through. 
and it kind of reveals a lot about one specific character and it kind of colors some elements of the game in a, in a different shade like you have a different understanding of the company that you work for and stuff like that yeah and that's the kind of stuff that i like about death stranding like i like the weird i love how expensive that game looks and how weird it is you right. know like i just i i and I, it was more of that, you know what I mean? It let you kind of dig into that more, which is, like, the part of the game I liked. Like, I, I mostly was, like, didn't when it came to, like, doing more deliveries and stuff, I just kind of, like, didn't really put a lot... It was really hard to figure out how to do those again after, like, two years, first of all. But it was very much, like, I didn't really overthink it. I really was just focused on, like, kind of learning more about the game. Sorry, learning about the world and learning about the character Fragile. And yeah. in that way, it's, like it was a worthwhile experience. Like, I'm glad I revisited it, you know? Yeah, and you felt like you, like, wrung everything new out of this thing? Yeah, I went and I made the race track and stuff like that. I got <laughs> the legs track. that I can sit on that will just walk for me if you want for a little while. All right. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think, to be fair, though, I think Fragile is the most interesting character in the game. Like, they surround you with all these really interesting characters, and you are honestly the least interesting character. Compared to every, like, compared to everybody oh, that's else. Fair. So, yeah, totally. yeah. would love to see it more fragile. Because she was cool. Compared to good old yeah, Norman it, Reedus. It's, it's just such a weird game because, like, I do like it and I, and I did find it moving. And it, it's a game that I think about a lot, just like the sort of, you know, the message, I guess you could say, of it about, like, mortality and, like, the idea of, like, these multiple apocalypses. It's like the it, the game is like, what if there was an apocalypse but we still had Wi-Fi is kind of like this, this sort of core <laughs> idea Amazon. of it. We had but Wi-Fi like, and Amazon. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, we still had access to Amazon.com no. and that's about it. Uh, but like anytime anyone has anything like uh, negative to say about it, like I just, you just have to shrug your shoulders and be like, that is a totally fair criticism of this game. Like it's, it just, it's weird and it doesn't click with everybody and I totally, Totally understand why. Like it makes complete sense, you know. Oh, well, yeah. I like this game. <laughs> How dare you ask such a bold question, Janet? Because I like asking I this know. specifically because it turns out, and I didn't intend to be this way, but yeah. having spoken to other people that know me, like yourselves, um, folks are like, I never know what you're gonna like. Like sometimes I think, oh, Janet's gonna think this game's trash, and then you're like, this is great. And sometimes I think the opposite, and you're like, this is not good at all. So apparently, I'm kind of unpredictable, and I don't know. I've liked. Kojima's stuff in the pet like I liked Metal Gear I didn't play like the entirety of it but yeah. it was cool I like walking get some steps in okay. like okay the only yes. thing I know about this training though is they did I did get spoilers for that one really cringy line yes at the um, end so I, yeah. Know, yeah. I know about the game Wait, I know like, which one read is because there is a few the, I don't want to spoil it because it's so bad that I kind of want people yeah. to be surprised okay. by okay, it but I'm it is assume it's that line it, yes it is very clearly referencing something that is very known so if you know, you know. <laughs> we gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yes. Kyle, make the call. Will she like that game? I don't think so. Okay, I, I don't. Well, probably not, right? <laughs> it's not. It's not very straightforward. It is intended. Like the game design is is intentionally difficult uh, on purpose, like to make the world like feel hard and yeah, difficult. Yeah, Kojima doesn't want you and, to have fun, and he like very honestly, much goes out yeah. of his way to put a stop to it. I mean, yeah, totally. So, like, it's it's not like, a, like you know, to play a death loop and then Kena and then Death Stranding, it's just going to be like a kind of a bit of a smack in the face, I think. It's the know? death, um, yeah. the death, a death door, death loop, death stranding. Yeah. The top 10 death if, games. If you really like weird ideas and. I own uh, it already, too. Like, I don't have to buy it. Yeah. Like, I have it. 
Yeah, you got to like ready now. You should play it. Spending and a lot back. of money on weird ideas, like that's you know what I mean. Like that's what the game is. It's like a very expensive weird idea, which is something that I'm kind of enamored with. So. It's funny to think of like you know you're talking about. Eh, I just want you to have fun. Meanwhile, for people watching the video version, literally in the trailer, it pops up in the text in the trailer for the director's cut just says "new fun," and then shows like Norman <laughs> Reedus on the motorcycle doing flips and stuff. So it's like if you don't have fun for long enough, then you get to have fun with the stupid little additions they made here that's the gist yeah. of it mm-hmm. all right. is it is it worth going through all that I right know, right you know yeah uh yeah we should I just d- want to meet kojima in like a hallway yeah or i corner him and i just have like we need to have words yeah well <laughs> hey cross your fingers maybe someday you can make that dream maybe reality one day. i can corner kojima you just heckle kojima <laughs> sir it's an honor i hate you <laughs> what have you done to me <laughs> Oh, yeah, just during director's cut, uh, Sony sent that code over for Kyle to play. Needs to be pointed out. Um, Let's see. Eastward? Y'all want to talk about this Eastward game? Yes. Okay, it seems like everybody's played it a little bit. Uh, This is a JRPG-inspired, pixelated game from Chucklefish, the publisher of Stardew Valley. It looks absolutely incredible. It's kind of somewhere between a Zelda... And a JRPG? Like, Sarah, you've played the most of this. Like, how would you describe what this thing is? I guess, like, the thing about it is it sits in a lot of camps. Yeah. It purposely sits itself in a lot of camps. It's a little more heavier. It, like, the pacing of it, it'll go through a lot of narrative and a lot of story building. And then you'll be stuck in kind of, like, a puzzle dungeon for a little bit. And then it'll go back to that longer narrative with some shorter dungeons in between. So the pacing kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. Especially in the beginning. Um, The actual gameplay mechanics that they have, which is sort of like, you know, you're just kind of walking around this dungeon and solving puzzles, which are none of them have been very challenging this thus far. But hitting monsters, solving puzzles, the, the bosses have been interesting, but... I definitely think you're playing it more for the story and the art because it weirdly gets into some Shakespeare moments. What? Weird. Like, it's weird because you'll see your main characters and it reminds me of watching a play, right? Well, you'll see the main characters walk off and then it'll cut to another character who kind of has like a soliloquy about like the current situation in the game. And so I've just been picking up like weird vibes from it that i haven't seen done in other games um play it for the art yeah play it for the story it's just very charming i'm playing it mostly for the story it has a very interesting story yeah play play it for the hayao miyazaki cameo too yeah there's just a character who looks exactly like hayao miyazaki named miyazaki isn't he smoking (laughs) too like the whole thing yep yeah he's got it down to it too yeah i mean smoking it's interesting, like, before we started, we were talking a little bit about everybody's experience. It seems like everybody's in the, like, it seems good, but I don't know exactly. <laughs> I can't wrap my it, mind around it quite yet. I mean, it makes, it makes, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but it makes a stellar first impression with its, like, opening mm-hmm. cutscene. Yeah. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I'm like, I was like, I am in. This looks amazing. This looks like my kind of thing. And then after, like, I'd fallen asleep, asleep twice, you know, like I like literally trying to like get to some gameplay. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's been hard for me to get into, but like I, I'm engaged and I want to keep going, you know? Yeah. It's kind of falling out of camp for me. No, way too much in this episode. I don't know uh, why I keep ending my sentence. But now that you mentioned it, now people are only going to hear it. Yeah. You've cursed yourself. Mistake number one. I know. You know, we all know. We all scream for ice cream. It just feels like in this era, there's been so many of these indie games over like the last month that are like 
very positive on Steam. It's just like this era of like all these great little games that you can go check out and something that's a bit of a bigger RPG throwback experience like Eastward. It's like, this looks great. I just, I don't got the time to sink my teeth into this thing right now. Maybe like over Christmas or something. And I think based on the community questions sent in, like a lot of people are in that camp of just, we're starting to get overwhelmed and it's kind of a tough spot for Eastward to be in. If this was like a February game or something, I think it'd probably shine a lot more versus being kind of smack dab in the middle of the big ramp up season. But yeah, it is on Switch, which yeah. I started playing on PC because um, my boyfriend had bought it on Steam. And I'm like, OK, like I finally a game that he has that I don't have like that never happens. So I'm like, I got it. I got to use this code then. So then I, I started playing and I'm like, ah, I think I might just get it on Switch or try to get it on Switch and then just start from there, because then you have that at least like pick up and play element. Um, yeah. It is, and it's long, but I feel like it's not that crazy. I think the um, on their site they say about thirty hours, oh, maybe okay. more if you do more stuff. Um, I believe too, and like I don't know if does it not? It doesn't have side quests either. It just has extra characters. Like Sarah, I don't know if you can speak to that at all. At all I being further in haven't. Everything has been pretty linear so far. Yeah, um, I haven't like there hasn't been like any big branching that I've run into yet. Gotcha. And actually, yeah. So I think that can kind of help with some mm-hmm. things. And I don't know. I'm interested in, in pouring some time into this, but it, it is always hard to make the time for it. Um, even though we haven't talked a lot about like the gameplay, like I like the basic combat so far. Like yeah. I am very early and I'm like, I'm two hours in, but for some reason, like, I'll be honest, y'all, I got like, it's a small map at the beginning, but I got hella lost. I was like, oh, I got lost too. Is, I got I was, lost like, too. Yeah. I was looking for. I wasn't looking for the school. This is like not a spoiler because it's like the first like, chunk of the game mm-hmm. like they asked you to go somewhere and i forgot where they asked me to go which is probably why i couldn't find it but i was like mm-hmm. where is it and i was just literally just walking around for like a long time but i like um you have a frying pan that you can hit things with and i'm like that's dope and they have um a cooking mechanic that is straight up breath of the wild's yeah. cooking mm-hmm. and they have been actually really open about that i think it was um i forget the site but someone did an interview with the developers asking them about specifically like how breath of the wild inspired the cooking mechanic in the game and i think that animation's like super charming and fun so i think there's a lot of heart to it like it looks gorgeous and i think the story is intriguing so i do think those elements make it stand out enough that i think mm-hmm. it's worth the time like i know it's really hard like i've noticed like especially this year you mentioned there's a lot of these like indie rpgs where it's like chris tales like everyone's like right. oh it's good but it's like, i don't want to play it right. it's like weird and i kind of do get that i feel like this can be a little bit more of a standout um in that regard yeah eastward it's on switch and steam and pc all that good stuff you can check it out um hey kyle do we have to yeah. let you go my, my sweet yeah i gotta go do some deliveries with my robot legs okay cool you want to clap <laughs> out dude yep all right see you guys bye, bye. Okay, Kyle will be missed, but we can finally talk about these games that he refused to talk about when he was on. Um, Sarah, which yeah. game do you think you're more excited about? Toem or Sable? Which one I'm are you more all into? in on Toem. All in on Toem. I'm all in, because I feel like no one's all in with me. I wish I could force people to play Toem. If I had any control over what people played, I would make them play Toem. Okay, what is this Toem? T-O-E-M. T-O-E-M. You... It's basically a... It's... It's like a short hike, is how I would describe it. It's a short game, a bite-sized game. You are playing as a little character who is going on a trip to see something called Toem, which is a something like beautiful that occurs, like a natural phenomenon that happens every year and everybody goes to see it. And you're given a camera to sort of document your journey. 
to see Toem. Yeah. And so you're basically traveling through all these different areas. Like you stop at like a campsite, a city, just to get to Toem. And while you're there, you can you need to do all of these little photo quests. Um, and the way they utilize the camera is has just been is amazingly smart. Because I was like, well, if I'm just taking photos of things, like that could get kind of boring really quick. But there's like different mini games you can play using the camera functionality, like pointing out things. Um, there's this one part where you're pointing out ships lost in a storm so they can rescue them. So you're using your camera zoom lens to point out ships at sea. Yeah. And you kind of are on this little vector map where you can move the camera around the world to kind of get better angles and see, you know, like if there's anything missing, um, it's just really charming. Like it was genuinely a pleasure to play. Wow. It's been a long time since I literally, I have nothing negative to say, <laughs> but tell them, man, it really got me. Yeah. And like, it's short, right? Did you finish it on it's the short. stream for MinMax? It took me like four hours to finish it. That's awesome. Yeah. So the entire playthrough, I guess, is on MinMax's mm-hmm. YouTube channel now. Um, that's cool. Yeah. It's nice to have another game kind of in that short hike realm and they describe mm-hmm. it as, yeah, what a fantastical adventure game about photography. So I think like first instinct is like, oh, this is going to be something like Pokemon Snap. But realistically, it's just you're going around and just fulfilling these little quests for people in kind of like an adventure Mm -hmm. game. Go find this. I need a picture of a ghost. Go find that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tom, it's on Switch, PS5 and Steam. You can check that out. All right. Now, what about this Sable? This Sable that I hear oh so much about. You also streamed that last night for MinMax. I did. I did stream Sable. I streamed about four hours of Sable and... It's like, you know when you go to an art gallery and everybody really likes a piece of art? Okay, yeah. And you're like, you're like I just don't know what we're all looking at. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what happened to me in Sable. It's a beautiful game. It's beautiful. Like the, I love when, you know, developers take risks on art styles. Right. And I love when they take risks on just games in general. But the game, I think, was developed by two people. Wow. And which is amazing. No doubt it's like, amazing. I, it's You're doing amazing a lot of backpedaling here. Yep, it's amazing. Beautiful, but you can tell that it was developed by two people. Cuz there's Damn. a lot of it's it's fragile. fragile. Okay, it's fragile. I ran into an NPC with my bike and then I like couldn't do the quest cuz I hit him. Weird. So it's like it's you know when you play a game and you're like afraid to touch something cuz like <laughs> maybe this will break it. That's not a good sign. But if you okay, I will describe the the gamer who will enjoy this game. Yeah. If you love open world games where you're just kind of vibing, there's very little at stake. You're just exploring a world. There's a lot of climbing puzzles. It's very peaceful. There's the dialogue between other characters is interesting. And if you just want to put on some music and just like disconnect and zone out in a low stakes game, then Sable is definitely the game for you. Yeah, I tuned into the stream last night uh, and saw that Janet also like jumped in at roughly the same time, but I'm not as nice as Janet, so I didn't jump in the chat or anything. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because it was a lot of you looking at this beautiful environment saying, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Yeah. What's going on here? And everybody yeah. in the chat was like... and then everyone's like, like, the beauty is in the journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, I have never had a chill, relaxed day in my life. <laughs> so I need a little bit of direction. Right, yeah. Um, it's like, no, it's just- too seamless. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I guess I get it. Yeah. Uh, Someone described it as a game with a lot of side quests and no main quest. And I would agree with them. Um, it's a beautiful game. It's got a beautiful message at its core. Sure. 
but I am not the right person. Yeah, that's Sable. It. Yeah, it's on Steam <laughs> and Xbox. It's everywhere there. Um, let's see. Let's, this is the stuff that we just... There's so many things rapid fire through because it's the season of, of solid indie games. Yes. Uh, gas Station Simulator, yes. Sarah? <laughs> yes. All right, what the hell because is Because I am a piece of trash. Yeah, please. Who cannot appreciate art. Right, right. Like, I can't appreciate Sable. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Gas Station Simulator way too much. It seems good. I, it, it is a simulator game, you know, so Unity assets, like, not beautiful, not polished, but you are basically managing a gas station in terms of, like, filling up people's car, ordering gas, you can put out little snacks for people, you gotta Lovely. do the conveyor belt thing where you go beep, beep, and scan all your items. Okay. That, I don't know why, but that just clicks for me. Um, you open like a repair shop and it's just a lot of little micromanagement to grow your gas station. And then at the same time, it's got this like zany, wacky side story where your uncle's going to like break in your kneecaps if you don't pay back this gas station <laughs> on Route 66. And a character that looks like Elon Musk delivers gas. Like that's who delivers the gas to your gas station is Elon Musk. Okay. So it's just apparently I can't do art. But I can do a series of menial tasks repeatedly. Yeah. And that's what I like. Maybe I think I just can't be alone with my thoughts. I think that's what it is. Yeah. I can't drive over the sand dunes and just be alone with my thoughts. But I can run a gas station. <laughs> if it's just a lot of little things. The power like of the vehicle Sims. that's driving yeah. over the sand dunes. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. G- genuinely, sir. I mean, when you make your top 10 at the end of the year, will Gas Station Simulator be in the consideration? I think it will. It will. Wow. It's like, it's like public... It, It'll be in my, like, private Game of the Year collection, but maybe not my public one. What does that mean? Because I'm trying to maintain an image like here. only gamers? So you're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be, really, like, privately, I'll be like, this is Game of the Year, Gas Station Simulator. I'm going to put 30 hours into this. But publicly, I'll be like, oh, I really enjoy chicory. I really like art and indie <laughs> games. And then privately, I'll be like a little gas station panda, like, <laughs> like love it. <laughs> Love Look, simulation games. No, that's the goal. By the end of the year with Max here, we want to tear that down so there's no distinction. Like, yeah. your true self okay. is your true self, and that's what we're all be here to true. do. Yeah. Yeah, don't be ashamed of the games that you like. Yeah, exactly. Please. If that's if there's one takeaway from this podcast, everybody, it's that. Um, speaking of which, Janet, um, on the last podcast, you talked about Life is Strange, True Colors, and you said, that seems pretty fine. And then mm-hmm. you came in over the weekend and said that it's the second coming of Christ, I believe. Yes, uh, those were my words. Okay. Um, but... It's actually not the second coming of Christ, but it is probably my second best game of the year. Behind really, Netflix. it is so good. If you, if you, if you play story games at all, like just play this, like point blank, and you have to finish it. And I'm sorry that maybe you're like, oh, one or two episodes in, it won't be like, because it didn't hit for me till episode three. Um, but it is, and I hate to be that person that's like, you got to see it through first, but you do. Like, right. if you finish episode three and you still don't like it, I guess you could stop. But then at that point, you're almost done. So I feel like you might as well. But it's fantastic um, without getting into, you know, spoilers, obviously, because it's a story game. Yeah, it's just well, first of all, it's really beautiful, which I did say last episode as well. Like it, it's the best looking Life is Strange game, which I know isn't like saying as much as a game that was going for more intensive realism, right. but it is really polished looking. It performs really well. Um, the writing solid, all of that. If you have that baggage from Life is Strange and to be clear, I am a Life is Strange fan. Like, I played the first game. I played most of the second game. I played Before Storm, but I didn't like it. I loved Captain Spirit. So I've I've played Don't Nod's other games. This is yeah. Deck 9, though, not Don't Nod. So I'm, like, all in on that stuff. 
Um, but I do understand that a lot of people find Life is Strange's writing to be kind of cringy or like the characters to be unrelatable. And I think part of that is a number of things. One, um, admittedly, I think Don't Nod's team maybe didn't have their hand on the pulse of like what teenage girls sound like. I just, you know, which is fair. fair. Yeah, yeah. You're like older Frenchmen, like American teenage girls. Like it's not, there's a disconnect. Um, but then two, um, that's an element that helps with this game because the character, the main protagonist, Alex, is a little bit older. She's more like in her 20s, like, you know, she's of of drinking age. So like, co- think college age or post-college age. So I think that inherently helps. I think Deck Nine does a great job at both acknowledging what the franchise does well and the kind of tone it has where you are very much, you know, you're walking around a room and being like, oh, it's my old guitar. Should should we really wish I still played it? Oh, there's you know it has that floaty observation. I guess yeah, exactly. Oh, got to get up sometime. You know, it's like I don't know why they all sound like that, but they do, and I acknowledge <laughs> that. However, um, it's incredibly well crafted. I think they have a lot of um, like great utilization of having an idea and thinking how can we do this in a playful interesting way um that especially comes through in in some of the choices they make in episode three again without spoiling it um and much like previous life is strange games um it does really get into a more fantastical element which i know um some people were worried about when they said hey this is a game about like your power is empathy and it's like how is that gonna be fun but i think they do a lot of great things with um giving you interesting choices with your use of that power um getting insight into people's mindset and how that what that differential is between how they are acting versus how they're feeling um it just fun things with like just being able to walk in town and like kind of read people's emotions and thoughts, even when it's not directly related to the main story or even like direct gameplay, but like hearing the ice cream shop owner talk about how like, oh man, like this ice cream shop isn't working out. And then later like business is booming. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like it has that nice little detailing, but even if you're not interested in that, it does a great job at digging into um, mental health stuff, digging into um, people's past and how your past like impacts who you are and the things you went like, it has these like interesting like revisitations of like Alex's childhood and you get like the further you get into it, the more you start to realize, oh my God, you actually constructed something that's super brilliant and and subtle and then you threaded it through. And like in this game, what would normally be the climax in any other game is like the rising action. So after like episode three, it's literally all rise and it doesn't stop until the game is over. And it's just, it it completely blew me away um and when i it was funny because when i started it i'm like a lot of people i know that like story games are like this is really great i love it nine out of ten it might be my game of the year and i'm like look i i think it seems good but i'm not seeing like that spark and then when i saw it i'm like not only do i see what you're talking about y'all didn't hype it up enough that's like looking into the sun you're like Ah, it is so good. I looked into the sun and I took that eye damage with to heart. It is. <laughs> I cannot say nice enough things about this game. I do have criticisms of it, of sure. course, that I could go into. And, you know, we're going to do a spoiler cast later on it. But it was one of those games where like the the back half was so good. I didn't even care about like the, it's kind of the, and that happens a lot in like anything when you yeah. like something. It's easy to overlook the, the flaws because it's worth the sum of its parts. And when you don't like something, you kind of just see all of the all of the negative. Um, so I'm like, I don't even care about like maybe this power is used a little unevenly. Like sometimes she's really in control, sometimes she isn't. I'm like, who cares? Like this thing went to places that I haven't seen 
any game go to and it did so it did it masterfully so yeah please play life is strange two colors it is so good that's awesome yeah so we're planning on recording max spoilers next week uh with janet and some friends so you can look forward to that for a big old spoiler cast discussion let me on the youtube channel and the patreon exclusive podcast feed of course um hey we should uh we should bring leo vader on you all are you all on board for that no because he's too good at Deathloop. oh really is he i've been looking at his steam achievements and he has like a lot of the crazy steam achievements so yeah honestly he's an egomaniac just when he comes on just just promise me you won't bring it up to him please okay Okay. hey (laughs) good lord leo vader's here (laughs) with a fiery vengeance just so we can jump in and say this message to everybody What's up? Hey, there it is. Oh, Leo, uh, we have news. Did you know that Sarah Pazorski is a cohort now? I did. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Do you have any advice for newcomers? I don't know. Yeah. Gonna be something. Uh, d- d- don't piss Kyle off. He puts on a nice face. But <laughs> oh my just, god, I just spent like twenty minutes not saying nice words about de- Death Stranding. Yeah, don't uh, think. All I'll say is don't start your car oh, anytime no. soon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, Leo, do you know how this whole thing operates? Patrons like you? Patrons like you. That's right, everybody. Patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. And watch this. I'm going to try and do this live. See how it goes. Thank you to Fatal X Blade. Fatal X Blade says, Lucas, a fellow patron, wants you to check out his YouTube channel, Fatal X Blade. That's Fatal X Blade with two spaces. His YouTube channel is primarily focused on highly edited reviews on the newest games. Each review features a short parody at the beginning of the video. That's comedy, Leo, just for you. Uh, he also uploaded a review for Life is Strange True Colors and wants some feedback. Oh, there you go, Janet. So head on over to Fatal X Blade on YouTube, subscribe, and drop him a comment. Thank you so much, Fatal X Blade. Appreciate it. We also have Fixture Gaming. Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know that you can get the Fixture S1, which is a funky thing. You get the Switch Pro controller, and then it's a clip you put on that, so you can put your entire Switch on top of that and basically play on the go with the greatest controller. It's a mount, but it's very comfortable and perfect in your hand. Uh, you can get it for $35 on Fixture's site. If you use the promo code MINMAX, all one word, MINMAX, you get five dollars off the fixture s1 you can also get uh the carrying case bundle that's an option for you but here's the thing we've been giving these away a special min max custom fixture s1 throughout the month thanks to the support from uh, from fixture gaming and so uh last week we gave one away to matt clark on facebook matt clark won the fixture s1 on facebook and this week you can win a fixture s1 for free by following us on instagram and here's the thing uh, we're going to have an announcement post saying, hey, Sir Pazorski is now a cohort. If you like that post on Instagram, and if you leave a nice comment, only nice comments are allowed. If you leave a nice comment, then you are automatically in the running for a Fixture S1 Pro clip for your Switch. So follow us on Instagram and get ready for that wonderful post. Um, Thank also, you for bribing people for that. Yeah, I feel like we got to do it, you know. I appreciate that. Yep, we do what we can here. <laughs> uh, also, I want you to know about a little thing called i8bit. They have in their store now the Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania album. It's a double vinyl album. You can check it out. You get 10% off everything in i8bit's wonderful online store by using the promo code wake me up. All one word, wake me up. But anyways, the Super Monkey Ball double album, it's the 20th anniversary edition. It's available in banana yellow vinyl with random bruised banana variants. 
is the way that they actually <laughs> spell it out there. So who can say no? Uh, the music is remixed by a bunch of folks and it's compiled by Yuri Fukuda. So check that out. Help support I Am 8-Bit because they support us in a big way. You can get that wonderful thing or you can just go to their online store in general and use that promo code WAKEMEUP for 10% off anything in their store and help support them because they support us and they support the community by giving away a wonderful prize each and every week to whoever has the best question of the week submitted over on Patreon and support us at any tier on Patreon. You can submit a comment or question. We'll choose our number one favorite and that person this week will win something very special. It's something that's so special, I'm going to jump in and help remind myself exactly what it could be. Why, that's right, it's the Res Infinite on PlayStation 4, the eco-forward edition of Res Infinite on PS4. They will just ship you out a physical game if you get Question of the Week. So everybody, look alive here. Leo, you ready to remember each and every one of these? I'm ready. Okay, great. Then it goes a little something like this. Uh, Zach Killian writes in and says, Hello, Maxers. What 2021 game is already on your backlog of games that you'll eventually play, but maybe not this year? I think we're at that point. We're at the point where you're going to start realizing you're probably not going to get to stuff. And Janet, if I may be honest, I feel like Life is Strange True Colors is... (laughs) is near in the top of that sec. Don't Look, make that mistake. I know, there's so don't much Don't make that mistake. You don't like, need to. I know. You don't need, you could, there's so many other games you could pick. Why do you want to hurt me? I don't want to <laughs> hurt you. I'm just trying to be realistic. And But then again, I realized that I spent... You know, like, what is this based on? Like, what is, you know what I mean? You know, I'm like, oh, it's yeah. like my number two game of the year. And you're like, this is going to be the one I skip. Why? You know what it is? <laughs> it's because I was telling myself for so long that I would get back to Life is Strange 2 and play through that. And I just never did. I let the world just don't. Just just go straight to three. You don't need it. I know. I know. I'm not going to play two, but I'm just saying that if the past is precedent, then I feel like it's a fake excuse. Like it's so bad. Hang on. So rough. So my better quest goal this month, uh, Jeff Cork gave it to me, Janet, and it was that I have to take every recommendation. I have to take a recommendation a week. And so just to be clear, is your official recommendation that I play all of Life is Strange True Colors? Yes. No! Okay, great. Then I guess I have to do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Have fun. If you guarantee it. Uh, yeah, but 2021 games. What, what stands out for folks for a 2021 game that you realize is kind of in that backlog territory already? Wasn't going to say Life is Strange True Colors. Never would even think of oh, it. Oh, good. So. Cool. I'm glad you said something I would never <laughs> think of saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sarah, something jump out for you? Mine was probably, I don't know if it's pronounced Kena or Kena. Yeah, Kena, technically. Kena. Mm-hmm. Like canine. Yeah, that came out right around like Toem, Sable, you know, all those indie games the that Tome came out. Era. So it's just like, I just missed it. And it seems like a longer game. So I'm, I think I have to like leave some buffer room for it. Yeah, it's it's over 10 hours, but probably not by much. Okay. Yeah, um, I need to go back to it. Uh, Janet, you still you still glowing over Kena? I like it, but and at first I was like, this is gonna be my top ten, or this could be, and I feel like that's still <laughs> technically very technically true. But it, like, there's a lot of th- there's so much good stuff coming out that I, I it might not make the cut, but it would be honorable mention. Like, mm. I think if you can make the time for it, it's worth making the time for. But if you don't, I feel like it might not hit my top 10 so that might be okay yeah leo's busy okay. changing his battery pack right now for his soul yeah I for i think i have a lot actually on my backlog i actually just made a spreadsheet on this like a few days ago so on the top of like i have it highlighted like high priority medium priority and then like unmarked what? the top of the unmarked ones uh tales of arise yep you know i never played a tales game before i have it like i have it's ready to go like yeah. it's installed even um but like 
it's so long. Like, if I'm going to spend that many hours, I probably would just try to finish Bravely Default 2. So I'm just like, I don't know when I'm going to be like, you know what we have time for? Tales of Arise. Now, the good news is I could try it, and if I don't like it, I could just, you know, just stop. That could be the, why I stopped playing it. But I think that's probably my number one backlog because... It's a beast. It's so yeah. massive. It's, um, it's going to be a lot. But yeah. hang on. I mean, I, I mean... I, you said you didn't play mini JRPGs back in the day, right? Bravely Default felt like True. one of the first ones to release Sunk Your Teeth into. So I'd be curious, like, going into Tales of Arise, if it doesn't feel nostalgic. Realistically, I I don't know if you're not a big JRPG fan, if you could go into that game and be so wowed that you're going to find the time for this 50-hour adventure. Just, yeah. I like the game. I want to keep playing it. I, I, I'm waffling a little bit of my commitment to finish it this year, but I do like it. But it's a lot of just, oh, this is comfort food, you know? And so if you haven't had that food as a kid, it's tough to have comfort food now, I think. So it's a, it's a tough go. I don't know. Mac and cheese, I feel like, would hit even if you never had it before, unless you're lactose intolerant, and then it would hit in a really different way. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I wonder. Do you, are, do you think we could, like, I don't know, just go deliver mac and cheese to people and they've never had it before and they'd be wowed? I feel like people would vomit if they weren't used to having something like mac and cheese and you just blasted them with some craft. I don't know. Um, but hey, look at this. Ricky Winterborn writes in and says, Seropods lived in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. How was it? And do you want to move back ever? I was extremely into Japan's lifestyle, but I'm an animator and I've heard the industry is brutal over there. Also, I'm 6'3", so the tiny apartments, doorways, everything would be rough. Yeah, yeah I mean, I really liked living in Japan. It's got its like great moments, but it's hard. It's a hard existence. Really? Not in terms of like, Oh, like, you're like, oh, I, all I do is ride the trains all day and, like, eat kombini food. My life is so hard. But it's, like, dealing with, like, the government, dealing with health stuff, dealing, like, every time I moved, I had to go to a new government office and, like, announce myself so they could tell where I lived. You have to go to the, you know, you have to go to immigration every year for five hours. Um... I went to the doctor once and they had me marked as a guy and that was a really awkward conversation. Um, they were like looking at me and like looking at my medical record and they were like, hmm. So hang on. So how does that work? So it's like you get the, the free health care, but it's just a lot of hoops you got to jump through. That's the basic idea. Well, yeah. And it's just like, how do you communicate? Even if you do speak Japanese, like how do you properly communicate what's wrong with you? Yeah. But like I never really had any big health scares in Japan. It was just I had to go to for a medical checkup. And do you, it was fine. Do you think that it's like a harder country to live in than most? Like if you're just going to live in another country, isn't there a lot of kind of DMV-esque paperwork I, and just nonsense you gotta deal with? I think so. And I think you'll notice that a lot of people who do live in Japan full time are married to Japanese people mm. or like have Japanese family. There are very few people who live in Japan and are just kind of like on their own because it can be really isolating. That's what I found. It was very isolating and I didn't have time. I was always so jealous of people who visited and would go on like these big tourist things where they're like, yeah, we're going from Kyoto to Osaka, right. like, all the way down to like Okinawa. And I'm just like, that's great. I work full time and I don't have time or money to take vacations. And when I do take vacations, it's to see my family who I haven't seen in a year. So definitely you can visit for a long time, but if you're living there, like you kind of have to be in it for the long run before you even try and make any kind of commitment to it. Yeah. It was a great experience and it was wonderful, but I would never do it again because it would be like starting from scratch. Right, right. 
Yeah, Leo, I mean, you, did you hang out with Joe Buckles recently? Does he kind of have that same takeaway? Yeah, I think he was ready to come back. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to love about living over there, for sure. But gosh, it's gosh, it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could see becoming very homesick. Yeah. Yeah, the height thing, I totally get. Like, it, we're, uh, we're talking about taking a vacation to Japan with, like, some friends and stuff. And I haven't talked to him too much about this direct thing. But I feel like keeping that group small is so crucial for a trip to Japan. And it's a tough thing to mm-hmm. convey of like, hey, we should be brutal about like, if there are like three or four of us, that's already pushing it based on like trying to find a place in most of these tiny restaurants. So like traveling to Japan with like a group of six, it's going to be a nightmare, right, Sarah? Yeah, I wouldn't, especially if you're not familiar with Japan, it'll be a lot of like herding cat situations. Yeah. Um, I kept my group small when I would like, take people around Japan for like touristy things and it's definitely a lot easier then you don't want to be like that big group of like 10 foreigners standing on the side of the road trying to figure out where they're going and like I did it in college I traveled with a big group in college but I feel like that's different because we were like bumming it in hostels right right so that's like the the vibe was different for that situation (laughs) but definitely keep it keep it small be brutal okay good advice Mm -hmm. uh Tactical Dreamer writes in and says, Do y'all ever feel grateful when a new game releases to mediocre or bad reviews? I always feel guilty about feeling the way, but it's kind of nice to be able to pass a game by during the busy season without feeling like you're missing anything. It's it's a dirty secret, but I think we all know the feeling. Yeah, for sure. And that's just it's just a sweet wave of relief of like, oh, thank God, it's just a seven. I can move on. Yeah, I'll go even like, like for me... Knowing that this is, I feel like this is like a mean one because it's an indie game and yeah. it's like, you know, I feel like I'd rather have this for AAA and I do have it for AAA sometimes, but like everyone's like, Skatebird, I'll be honest, it's not that good. And I'm right. like, okay, cool. And like, I'm still down to play it. Like, I, another game that I have and I just haven't played, like, just to try it myself because I do think just because people say a game isn't good or is good doesn't mean that you'll think that. So I still really do try to hit up the stuff I genuinely am interested in, but the sort of like lukewarmness for Skatebird and even Sable because of the Sable's performance issues. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, now this is at least better justification for not being able to like get to it right away because I'm not missing on like a larger conversation is like my feeling about it. Yeah, it's interesting that Tactical Dreamer would write in about that because I feel like maybe that's just the nature of our jobs and podcasting is feeling that constant pressure. But it's always interesting when people like on the on the flip side are also just relieved that they don't have to play this game because I guess, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably care about trying to check games off the list and trying to have your concrete like, all right, these are my top 10 games of 2021 and stuff. So yeah, I guess it's just so universal. We're all in the same boat of just trying to maintain our lives and work-life balance and game-life balance and all that fun stuff. And it's not always like, here's an excuse to not play it either. You know, if you can tell from reviews sometimes like, oh, this is something that would be important to me that is universally agreed to not be there. Right, right. Uh, Marriott Player says, uh, Buen dia, Ben y los cohorts de computadoras. Oh, thank you. Uh, with the release of Death Stranding Director's Cut, what's a game you've looked back on more favorably as time goes on? Broad one. Just a game that's glowing in retrospect. State of Decay 2. Oh. Recently. That's interesting. That's because of the work they've done, or do you think you've just changed as a person? I think I still, if I'd given it a better shot when it first came out, I would have liked it about as much as I do now. Like, I know they fixed a lot of bugs and stuff, but yeah. just the core design of that game really grew on me. The more I got into it, the more I came to appreciate what it is. Yeah. And you're still playing it now? Yeah. 
That's, yeah, the new DLC came out. I'm still chipping away. I'm like at a harder difficulty than I ever have before. Yeah. So it's really slow going, but that makes it an interesting new experience. Yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking more of like, um, I don't know, just uh, the, the basic idea I always find is I will forget a game's little frustrating gameplay moments as time goes on, but I'll certainly remember the story a lot more. And so I think for me, like, don't tell Jeff I'm this, but Red Dead Redemption 2, I think is up there. Where in my mind, it's like absolute classic, unbelievable but then I think back, it's like, oh, yeah, but every gunfight I wasn't really enjoying. And there's a lot of things <laughs> in the gameplay that were just kind of overall frustrating. But now, like, especially as more and more time passes, I feel like that game is just going to become more and more of a legend in everybody's mind just for vaguely remembering how great Arthur is and stuff. But I don't know, Sarah, you were just streaming that for like 6,000 hours and stuff. Is it still good? Yeah, I really liked I was surprised how much I liked Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I really enjoyed it. I don't think I minded the gunfighting as much yeah. because I just I was just clicking heads all over the place so it wasn't really an issue for me personally um but yeah I think I don't know I don't think that's gonna age for me just because I I liked it right off the bat and it's yeah. already like everything else is not gonna live up to my Red Dead Redemption 2 expectations which is too bad because they drove the entire company to the brink of madness to make that game mm-hmm. but it's a good you're, you're like it's a good game though but it's a good it's a but good game. is it worth it? <laughs> it's tough call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it worth it? Is yeah. the big question. Uh, God, and this is weird and dark, but I don't know if anybody else watched that uh, that God of War documentary called Raising Kratos that they released on YouTube. It's just like a I weird. Seen it. We, I know we talked about it on the podcast, but it is just a weird testament, I think, to somewhat of the independence of Sony Santa Monica that they could release a documentary about that game that is not flattering because normally PlayStation with their messaging is on a tight ship. Um, but like it, the kind of conclusion of the documentary is just the question of, is it worth it to make a game as good as God of War? <laughs> like, look how much suffering it's causing and how brutal it is on everybody in the studio. Is it even worth it? Which is amazing for, you know, at least a game documentary produced by, I guess, PlayStation to get near that territory. Anyways, that's probably a bigger conversation for another day. But uh, Swanky Orc writes in and asks, Hey, what's something that you thought you'd never grow out of? For me, it's anime. When I was in high school, I was obsessed with it and all... And I thought that I'd never stop loving it. Well, some 15 years later, I barely watch any anime. Somebody got something? Mm-hmm. Being afraid all the time. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten a lot better because yeah. I was like really extreme as a kid. But I think I still have like... I guess I, well, something that I didn't think I'd grow out of that I would grow out of. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm, well, I guess I'm not completely grown out of it, but, like, that was definitely, like, a hurdle for me. But, like, for interest, I don't know. Maybe that means, does that mean I'm immature? That I still have all my old interests? Like, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think I've moved on. Then I realize I have a bunch of freaking Dragon Ball toys behind me on the shelf <laughs> and stuff. It's like, yeah, I think, I think if I saw myself now from age 12 or 13, I'd be like, that's about right. And then my 12-year-old self would just kind of shake his head quietly. What do you mean by scared all the time, Janet? Oh, like, I um, I was, like, a crazily neurotic kid. Like, I was like, one of those kids that was, like, afraid of people. Like, anyone that didn't live in my house, like, I wouldn't want to see them, even right. if they were related to me. I would, like, lock myself in my room, and I'd wait until they leave, and I'd yell out, like, are they gone yet? They're, like, in the house, like, totally offended by, like, my three-year-old self. Yeah, like, I was afraid of everything everything all the time is that like um, there's probably not, something there but let's we don't have the free healthcare to explore what's what's there yeah we don't have the free healthcare, but we do have uh, all no. the time we need on this podcast do you think it was like was it you being shy 
I guess. Like, I'm sure there's, I mean, I guess so. Like, my brother wasn't like that. But maybe he was, he was around more people growing up, too. Because, like, we had, like, when my brother was a kid, our household structure was, like, sitcom style where we were all like had a there was a building that my family owned and like we had the different apartments so like oh we're gonna send like edwin to be watched by like my cousins and stuff so maybe he was just around more kids and we were like super isolated like growing up like once we got like our house like we didn't like play with the neighborhood kids or anything like that and like i didn't go to like preschool like i just went straight into kindergarten like i didn't have any so i think like maybe the <laughs> the lack of interaction i'm just like whoa 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of stimulations too much right right it's gonna be the other the pandemic babies. Honestly, yeah, oh my God. you and the pandemic ever, like, the babies, Janet. There's a TikTok <laughs> of like a kid that thinks everything is hand sanitizer, and it's so freaking sad. Oh no! Like to walk up to like yeah. random objects and like press on it as if it's hand sanitizer, and yeah, that's yep. Hey, hey, it's gonna of, be a weird next generation. It mm-hmm. is weird, and this is a weird story too. But uh, I went to Jeffum's house, and I've known Jeffum since 2010. And I've always been like, hey, you should invite me over. Let's hang out. Never gotten anywhere near his house. It was a miracle he told me where his address was so I could mail him a check uh, every month here at MinMax. But uh, he got that PC we talked about a while ago. And um, I was convinced he had a better card, better video card than I did. So I'm like, hey, tell you what, how about I bring my PC up and we can swap video cards? That was great. This is all my backdoor plan to get into his house. And I got into his house and his wonderful baby lost its mind <laughs> and it would not stop crying and i was oh, a gentleman no. i wasn't making a big deal about it i was like okay well let's just work on these computers for an extended period of time meanwhile this kid is like head spinning around screaming and it, i didn't mention it but it was this fear in my mind of like is this just because like the baby has not been exposed to many strangers and now i'm just some schmuck like kicking in the door and distracting the father like i, I was really Did up it in my hurt head your about feelings it. a little bit a little bit like you always I feel like my feelings would get a little hurt even though i know that it's nothing that you can control personally right right i mean do you get that with like toddlers and stuff where you try and always be the fun person and then if a toddler doesn't think you're as fun as somebody else like you get weirdly petty about it <laughs> does anybody else have that weird insecurity I don't think I've been around enough kids to okay. ha- have, uh, like, there's no, like, like little kids. Because I used to teach, but, like, I taught, like, middle school up. Like, the really right. small ones. I can't. 30 of them? Like, I don't know how y'all elementary <laughs> school. I could never. I subbed one day, and I had, like, a mental breakdown. And I was like, Dad, if you pick me up from work, I'm never doing this gig again. It's terrible. Um, yeah. I think once, I'll have maybe an answer once my, like, family starts, like, having kids and stuff. Right. Then you'll understand that you like just cement your place in as being absolutely the fun one and just never let it go. Just like bring balloons, bring games like, and then if anybody tries to come to your territory, scare them off with just a big blast of fun. I don't know. (laughs) Leo, I don't know what that means. Um, Anyways. Hey, Steven writes, anybody else have an answer to that question? What is it? Of something you thought you'd grow out of and then you'd never thought you'd grow out of and then you did. I never grow out of every anything. I think I'm We're about to, and then I don't. And I'm going to die mm-hmm. the same way I am right yeah. now. <laughs> and you seem okay with that? Yeah. I'm this way because it's dope. <laughs> That's a good answer. Check I out. Like, we all mm-hmm. We all started, and it's like, this is it. This is the end game. Let's just keep, keep run it up. Hey, Steven <laughs> writes in and says, Hey there, Minmax. Uh, so now we finally know the main cast for the Super Mario movie. I told my sibling about it after the direct, and for a moment they thought it was going to be a live-action movie. Imagine how that would have turned out. That's a fun idea. I think Digitally I, shrinking Chris Pratt? Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, I've been... Hang on a second. 
Do you think in the movie? And I know oh, Sarah's sick of God. predicting the Not movie. Not this again. But do ben, you, do please you stop think, trying to predict the Mario movie. Do you think they will have a moment where it's small? And I know this is not common for 3D Mario, but it's small 3D Mario and his voice is going to be higher. And then he gets a mushroom and then his voice becomes normal Chris Pratt. Would that make you happy? It's not about being happy. I'm just asking if you had to put... Is that what you want? I'm saying if you had to put $100 in the line, and I'm not forcing you to, but if you did put $100 right now, would you bet that that scene happens? (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) Another <laughs> Visa gift card, Sarah, Um, I I think you're that's wrong because oh. he'll eat the mushroom in the climax of the film to defeat the bad guy. So he's going to be normal sized with the entire film, and then just eat the mushroom, and then it's is it a mega mushroom? Big. It's got to be like the big big one, like the DS Mario where he right. like how good was it when you became Boofy Mario and you walked through those pipes? Yes, I'm like I had no idea this is what I always wanted, but you all knew, and I respect you for knowing. Yeah. But then it was also good news for Mario Brothers 2 when you could turn gold. I don't know. No one ever cared about that power, but it was never very special. No, man. That game. Mm. Anyways, uh, Steven says, anyways, we'll save Sarah by not talking about the Mario movie anymore. Uh, I've been taking time recently to improve and hone my drawing skills. What is a skill that you've been trying to improve slash practice recently? Gaming related or otherwise? Cooking. Really? Yeah, I feel like I'm slowly getting to the place where I can like rip stuff out instead of Ooh, having to eat the recipe every time. What's the last? What's the most recent meal you made that you're like, this is good. This is like, this is coming back. It's in the rotation now. Some really good Brussels sprouts. Ooh, with mm-hmm. goat cheese and slivered mm. almonds and some mm-hmm. balsamic vinegar in there. Mm-hmm. And the cast iron, really good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I recently had some Brussels sprouts at a restaurant. It doesn't sound like much, but a little sweetened uh, sour sauce, a little spicy sauce in there. I don't know what you call it. A little Thai sauce in there as well. It was amazing. I cannot recommend enough. And it is like the greatest sin that throughout my entire childhood, Brussels sprouts are like the punchline for bad food. It's mm-hmm. insane. <laughs> I feel the same way. It was in my adulthood. I finally had them. I was like, these are some of the yeah. best vegetables. I oh, also yeah. had like a Brussels sprouts come to Jesus moment <laughs> in adulthood as well. But I, I read something and I don't want to... I read something that they found the component in Brussels sprouts that made them bitter and unlikable, and they got they took it out, and that's so why suddenly better. we all like Brussels sprouts now. Oh, which would be crazy, but it would make sense because nobody liked Brussels sprouts for the longest time, and now yeah. we all do. I hope, but also they were like steamed. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the roasted thing. Roasted like, with the good stuff on top. It's one of Brussels sprouts is one of those foods where like I just had this happen with mushrooms recently, where like I hate mushrooms, but when you actually cook them and they have like different stuff with them, like they're actually just like a blank slate food that can just pick up whatever flavor you assign it. And I feel like Brussels sprouts are kind of like that where it sounds like it'd be nasty, but it actually can work in the co- when it's in context. Right, right. But hey, to Steven's question, didn't you just post some stuff about like learning how to play piano or something, Jana? Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on, on playing the piano. I, I started playing, I think, um, maybe about a year ago or so. My brother is a piano teacher, um, so he like knows how to play and he's been giving me lessons. So I've been working on that and and then I skate. So those are my yeah. like two main skill things that I'm trying to improve. So right now I'm working on playing uh, the Luigi's Mansion theme. Like I have, uh, someone actually asked me, you know, like, oh, what, what's the sheet music? And I dropped it and then I was like, then immediately I'm like, just so you know, I'm not playing this whole thing because it gets the score that that specific composer made gets wild. And I'm like, maybe like three years, we can do the full three and a half minutes. But for now, I'm trying to go to like 
measure 22 and like a 90 measure song. I mean, it's just all you're going to do is get the opening part. Like for the rest of your life, if you can go up to any piano and just go dun, 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 dun. I really want to do it on the, um, there's that, I don't know if y'all have seen this in real life or on the internet. There's that stupid cat piano. It's like a kid's toy. It's like Target mm-hmm. sells it. Um, and I'll, I'll go up there and I'll play like, what, how's it pronounced? For Elise, you know, that's oh, yeah, yeah. na 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 Cause like everyone can do that. Like, what? that's like the, what? yeah, you can't do that. Like that sound. No, it's really easy. <laughs> like anyone can do it. And it's like the first thing anyone ever learns. If you like, have ever touched the piano. Um, so I did that, but with the cat noise. So it's, it's awesome. Cause it's meow, 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 meow. So I can, I want to go back to Target and whip out this Luigi's Mansion score on this cat piano. I should just buy the cat piano, yeah. but I don't know. Anyway, that's really? what I'm working on. Really put in my the spare f- time. Hey, Leo, with that cat piano, really put the fur in fur release. Am I right or am I right? Don't talk to me about okay, this. Okay, great. Hey, look at this, though. <laughs> Devin Brooks writes in and says, Hey, Ben and Cohorts, as creators of content, do you ever find it difficult to balance making content that you personally find fun and f- fulfilling, but may not be as popular with your audience, and content that you know your audience will really enjoy, but may not be as interesting to you? Check out Better Quest on MinMax's YouTube channel, everybody. <laughs> also in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Jeff Cork, co-star, is wonderful. I don't know, Leo. Yeah, do you struggle with this with uh, MinMax stuff or your own personal stuff? My personal channel, for sure. I've been trying to do a one for them, one for you type of <laughs> Look mentality. You, You've already sold not like out. I hate doing the one for them, but there's like really navel gazy stuff that I want to do just to challenge myself. And then there's stuff I know will get views and will grow my audience. And I'm really trying to like not have too much of one or the other. That's very much a goal. Yeah, it's interesting that you can have, you know, videos about your inner monologue right next to like, check out these wacky TV show intros or, or whatever your obnoxious voice was during that one. It's like, it's cool that your channel can like consume both. And there's an audience that it must be satisfying if I may rephrase things to see like the people that are coming in for your big videos, which seems to largely be about like media and Hollywood and TV and stuff. Then like trickle down to your more personal videos and be like, Oh my God, this rabbit hole is really beautiful. Once you climb inside, which one was the Stuart little, little one. Oh, good that was one for them. <laughs> that that did really good views wise, but and but it's totally yeah. Like the smaller ones, the my least viewed videos. It's like wow, that got so many more views than anything I used to make would because right. I've been bringing them in with this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it totally works. Yeah, I, I, with MinMax, I don't know. There's nothing that like I don't like doing. There's definitely those moments of, you know, maybe like a Max spoilers or something where it's like I, I don't have, I'm not over the moon about doing Max spoilers on Loki or something, but it's like. Eh, I am a dork and I'm excited to talk about that stuff to some extent, even if it's not the most fulfilling content to create. Um, but yeah, hopefully as Max continues to grow, uh, find more time to make some more weird passion projects. I still, I feel like I haven't done like a project that's just been really head turning. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing for Max. but in my mind, I think I, when I, we all started this thing, I think I wanted to have more of just completely out of left field I don't know, maybe more personal, just more grounded documentary style stuff. And so at some point, at some point, it'd be nice to, to shock people, I think, in that realm. Um, but please look forward to our max spoilers on Marvel's What If. Um, let's see. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Oh, no. I forgot to copy and paste the name of this person. But they're so smart. I need to go find it. So I'll find it and I'll do that one after this one. Hey, Jake Zielsdorf writes in, though, and says, how do you think about games that definitely want you to care about their narratives, but you mostly like them for their gameplay? Can a game be a masterpiece if it has a story that should hit and it doesn't? 
if they want to say death loop they could have just said death loop i feel like they Ooh, wrote around interesting Deathloop. interesting i've been avoiding talking about this because i feel like i don't know i don't i think the thing is like i don't really care too much if someone says something's a masterpiece and i don't think it is because i'm like oh, 10 versus 9 they're sure. like both must play games let's you yeah. know live your you feel that way go feel that way but yeah, I've been. It's been weighing on me. Yeah, I don't think Deathloop is a masterpiece. I know it got like a two ten, at least two tens, one from IGN, one from Gamespot. Yeah. Um, I don't see that. Like, I just don't think for me a masterpiece. I know everyone talks about like it's not perfect, and I agree with that. It's not a perfect game. Right. Nothing is perfect, but it's got to be damn close to me to be a ma- like. It's got to. You got to feel it. If I have to, qu- for me personally, if I have to question whether or not it's a masterpiece, it's not. It's got to be such a visceral, deep feeling that like there's no like it sure it can have flaws but like it, the the what it does well has to transcend to like a really deep level and i think for, because of the story and also because of a couple other things too like death loop it's amazing it's my game of the year right now <laughs> yeah, i don't trash think it's this game of the year, yeah okay yeah i think we're, we're planning on doing a max spoilers for death loop where it'd be fun to kind of dive into some more of that stuff because leo have you finished it yet I am literally stopped before the night on the last day of like the final. Na, 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 oh my god! That's like supposed to be the theme, but <laughs> it's beautiful. You got it. <laughs> got it. To me, what comes to mind when I think of a masterpiece, despite it having a story that I may as well be yoinked out of the game, is Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Okay. The, the sheer gameplay loop of that, I think, is a masterpiece, and the story. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you don't it's care funny. at all. No, I mean, I wasn't a Metal Gear. That was the first Metal Gear Solid I really played besides Peace Walker. Right. So I wasn't especially into it. But also, you know, obviously the story of what that game story was going to be was obviously cut short from development. So I don't think and anybody would say it was most of it is like hidden in audio recordings and like little emails and stuff. So you had to work for that story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hear you. So I guess the answer is it can be a masterpiece or it can't be a masterpiece if the story doesn't hit. I think it can be. It can be. If you're a gameplay-focused lad, it'll work But for it's you. not like if the, game, if the story aggressively sucks, you know, it'd be harder. Right. But versus yeah, like, it being, Breath- like, a non-factor. Like, Breath of the Wild, I actually still have not finished. I have, like, 90 hours in it. I just, I think I gotta go back and do a new play. It's a, it's a mess. But I feel like I know a little bit about where that story goes, and I think some people were like, ah, to get, like, the more interesting story, you maybe have to do, like, the additional stuff to get more, you know, juice out of that orange. Yeah. But I feel like it's... In the context of that franchise, that story just sort of hits different. Like it's not like it's it's not like it's like Mario's never wowing me with the story, right? But it's not really meant to. It's kind of just like there. Now Zelda, I know, has a little more to it. I'm not trying to the people that have the freaking uh, Hyrule Historia that Nintendo put out and then went against before, and then it's like a mess. Like if that if you're really invested in that, live your truth. Yeah, but first, I do think oh. you know it's not the biggest plot hole. Yeah, first Sarah attacked Kyle, and then Janet, you went for the jugular. Like, you think yeah. Kyle's going to forgive any of you at this point? <laughs> Good lord. I he think, still has his glider. He's gliding it up. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I think of, like, the masterpiece with the story that doesn't hit. I, Resident Evil 4? But it's just, it's not that it doesn't hit. It's just so cheesy and, <laughs> I will dare say, objectively dumb. But it's not like it's going for things that it doesn't hit, necessarily. Because it was maybe aiming for cheese, and it it was like a dart landing in a big pile of cheddar, you know? Like, it seems like they did it, so it's a tough one if, to read. If every game just in the credits said, if you thought this was dumb, that's what we wanted, <laughs> they would avoid a lot of complaints. 
Uh, Deep Space Trace submits a question on Patreon. Says, since Ben has been teasing a new court cohort announcement for a while, and Sarah Pods is on this week's show, can I safe? Can I be safe in congratulating her as a new cohort? If so, yay. If not, uh, sorry. Uh, yay. Congratulations, <laughs> yay. Sarah. Uh, and he says, but hey, what's your favorite thing about Sarah, everybody? I find her objectively hilarious. That is quite the review. And I love the objective way, mm-hmm. too. Like, it's not subjective. No. Okay. And not appreciate her self-deprecating humor. Bye. Thank you, Deep Space Trace. All right, Sarah, is this your worst nightmare or your greatest fantasy is to have us go around the table? No, this is my greatest fantasy. Okay. Come on, people. Yeah, I'll kick it off. Let's see. Um, I appreciated that Sarah knew what she wanted to do back in college because what year do you think that was when we first met at the U of M? I think we met 2014. Is that right? 2013, 2014 is when we met. Yeah, and it was at the U of M and -hmm. it was a glitch event and you you were – a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed little six-year-old, and you said, I want to go to Japan and localize games someday. Yeah. Like, it was amazing to, like, have a vision and then mm-hmm. <laughs> directly hit that vision. That's very mm-hmm. rare, I think, for people, especially I did it. in that age. Congratulations. Then you came back Thank and you, you said, no big whoop. I said, eh, it's not worth it. That's right. <laughs> Don't go back. <laughs> um, but also, um, I feel like I've kissed your ass a lot on this topic, but, <laughs> like, the way you comfortably troubleshoot tech while streaming and this is largely based on i think like the first stream you did for us like the audio was all messed up and as it you probably only in like left ears not right ears right right mm-hmm. and as people could see at the backstage pass tier like at the start of this episode if there's some tech troubleshooting thing i melt down i cannot handle it i just i, I try very hard to, to main, maintain cool but i'm a mess whereas you were like comfortably talking to the chat while doing troubleshooting which leo is seems like is doing right now it's very impressive like all this troubleshooting talk that has me in the mood to have some technical yeah, issues yeah. but it's amazing you can have both sides of your brain operating at the same time you know i'm either yeah i would yeah it's either I'm left constantly or right going at like two speeds <laughs> okay so it really it helps in those situations yeah yeah where inside i'm like dying and on i'm thinking about like backups and on the outside i'm like how is everybody's day <laughs> And then inside, it's like burning hell. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, Janet, mm-hmm. um, your turn, ma'am, at the at the wake. Sure, at, at the wake. Oh my I don't God. know. It feels weird. <laughs> oh, just you know, remembering Sarah. Um, no. So for me, I think it's uh, a number of things. One, the breadth of games you play. Like I, you know, I love indie titles. I like playing stuff a little bit more off the beaten path. And I feel like whenever, you know, I follow the MinMex channel, obviously, and then your channel on Twitch as well. And whenever you're streaming, it's always like something either that I'm like, I've been wanting to play this and I haven't gotten around to it or something I've never heard of. And as someone that really tries to see what's coming out of the time, like I like that I can be surprised by that. I think you have like a really warm and fun friendly presence and one thing that i find really impressive about you is that you're able to like give you know fairly eloquent explanations of what your takes are on games but you always seem really calm in a way that like i feel like i and hopefully this doesn't (laughs) shatter the glass for people um i'm you know i'm very opinionated and direct as well but i do feel like there's like it feels like i'm almost running through a filter at all times (laughs) like just slightly like it feels a little bit more um I don't know. Like, I I feel like I'm here to talk about a thing. Well, when I'm talking to you, like I end up in it and I would like that, like your energy, I feel like brings that to other people. Cause like when we get into it on our back and forth, I suddenly feel like, okay, I'm right there with you. I'm more relaxed. We're like out here hanging out. We're drinking coffee. It feels so casual while still being an elevated conversation. I think that's so hard to pull off and you do it so well. So 
yeah, those are my favorite things about Sarah. Oh, also your emotes are really cute. You have the frog chair. Love the frog chair. Thank you. Oh my God, thank you. I wasn't expecting this. I thought I was just gonna be like, she's funny. I didn't realize everybody thought I was so calm. Because <laughs> inside I'm dying. Yeah. But uh, I'll Le- never know. Leo, what's your favorite thing, man? I love the your the way you change the stream <laughs> notification message. Those stream oh, notification messages. Oh, that is good messages. too. Oh, yeah. It's great. And it's do you like it too when I forget to change them back and then we stream and it just has a very confusing stream alert notification? That's my favorite part. Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Hey, Nick from Atlanta writes in. Uh-huh. It says, hey, cohorts, I have a seemingly simple question for you this week. Min-maxes, unofficial, official, we don't know. Uh, mantra is games, friends, getting better. What does the getting better part mean to you? This is interesting. This is a real thinker. I can't go first. It's like being <laughs> you your wrote it. Oh, yeah, it's true. So now, now you'll be like, no one understands it. And then right. you're going to be like, oh, my God. Um, for me, it's like you know, always trying to improve and bring your best self to the content that you make. Um, mm. And then obviously the sort of obvious connection is Better Quest, where it's literally a show about getting better. And holding <laughs> so each like, other that'd be the easy answer. Um, right. But yeah, that's that's how I take it. Yeah. Leo, do you have a different read on this? Oh, yeah. Being self-critical, being like asking questions of ourselves about what we're covering and how we're covering it. Constantly looking to actually make changes to improve our coverage. Yeah, and how we just how we talk about things. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Outside of the coverage thing too, I think like kind of where that came from was, you know, when I left Game Informer and started this whole thing, it was definitely this weird. Uh, there's a thousand reasons why it was a, a weird vibe and a weird era. But I think one of them was just like I have a big list of things that I want to do and things that I want to improve about myself, and I'm kind of sick of just being like oh, I'll do that in the future, do that in the future. And so that was kind of the core idea. It's like oh, what if you just kind of shot for the dream right now and tried to finally enact all these things that you've been thinking about for so long. And so, yeah, better quest eventually came around and kind of fulfilled some aspect of that, but hopefully it's kind of spreading around to all of our content. And it is amazing. Like it is just a small little thing that I feel like has really colored our community in a really um, positive way. Just to have like that one little phrase at the end, I think has in and of itself made the discord significantly friendlier. Obviously the mods do a great job and everybody does a great job in there and stuff of staying friendly and positive. But I think just having that be a core mission for the outlet has, has weirdly kind of colored people's attitudes. And it, maybe every community is this friendly and I'm an idiot, but it, I think there's something to it. Um, on a lighter note, uh, Lucas Adams writes in and says, Hey everybody, have you ever fixed up a bowl of popcorn as a complimentary side for your pizza? Everyone says my family is weird for doing this, but it's basically as good of a combo as burger and fries. Are my family and I crazy? Uh, Lucas, I mean, it's yeah. similar. It's your little salt. You want your little salty side to have some popcorn. But I guess... I but, would just rather have fries. Yeah, I would absolutely rather have fries. I mean, I think a real combo that I found recently, which is excellent, is just to get like full breakfast, but with fries. Like, if you're going out for, like, 11 or, like, you know, the brunch territory, just having that be the combo is great. I mean, they're two good foods. It's not outrageous, but your family is weird for thinking that's, like, a staple of popcorn and pizza. I mean... Definitely weird. It is weird. Cheesy popcorn feels like it would fit more. You could put that on a pizza. Hell. It's just weird. Oh. Like... Okay. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I but like that, weird. that can be okay. You're not hurting anybody. You're not hurting yeah. anybody. Um, but yeah. like if, if I pull up and you're like, oh, the pizza's here. Oh, and the popcorn's popcorn. ready. I'll be like, what, what the F's going on <laughs> Did here? Did you like, the popcorn for every pizza? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's weird. But like, 
all right, like maybe there's, I'm sure, you know, it's a big world out there. Someone listening, please drop in the comments if you do this. I'm sure you're not, not alone. Big. You will find your it's people. Maybe big. you already have. It's your family, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Hoots writes in and says, hey, friends, what is the oldest game in your backlog? Do you think you'll ever play it? Also, congratulations on your engagement, Ben. I think you're going to like being married. Thank you. I think I will, too. It seems lovely. Um, oldest game in your backlog? Majora's Mask. Ooh. I mean, uh, there's technically, like, probably older games, but then it's, right. that's the oldest one that I actually want to play. Um, I don't know if it comes with an asterisk, because I was playing, like, the DS one, which is arguably, like, a new the newest version of my oldest no, game. That, that counts. That counts. But, yeah, I, I liked it. I was playing it. I mean, admittedly, I found the time loop thing sort of stressful. I'm like, nah, I got a plan. Like, I don't want to have to plan this out. That's a little... That you're asking a lot of me here this will never catch and then on I got to the, the water industry. temple and everyone said it's so hard that i just literally didn't even try it i'm like i literally didn't even try it. i closed the ds and i never came back wow I, yeah and so you're never gonna get around to it again realistically right i'd like to it's like definitely higher on my list um for like older games because it's you know i'd like to have like a better zelda history because my zelda history is so random like yeah. my, probably the best outside of breath of the wild the best zelda experience i've had was like oh i played some wind waker and i, I might have finished that as a kid but other than that it's this weird smattering of everyone's most hated zelda games um, i really liked phantom of the hourglass and everyone's like it was trash and i'm like well i don't know that's like what i played right it's like right. when i started with animal crossing and i only played happy home designer <laughs> and pocket camp <laughs> it's like What's going on? It's like the rando, like the whatever fell off the cart of like they were they were shipping all the games on a truck and a couple fell off. Yeah. And I was like, this is my knowledge of this franchise. That's that's like amiibo festival territory. I'm sorry yeah. to say, Janet. Uh, you're in that arena. Hey, by the way, I guess we didn't yeah. talk about it. Sarah, I mean, did you did you in your heart of hearts care about the cafe coming to New Horizons? I felt like Nintendo like took a gun out and yeah. put it to my head and they said you will play Animal Crossing New Horizons again. <laughs> and I was like, no, like, it feels like an abusive relationship a little bit. Like, no, Nintendo. Like, I've moved on. I have other games I want to play. Like, I don't, don't make me go back to that, like, stinky island that I created for myself <laughs> that I, you know, painted myself into a corner. And they're like, you're going back in. Okay. And I, I can't fight it. Like, yes, yes, Nintendo. Congratulations, Nintendo. You've done it. <laughs> These are the fans that you've built up over time. I hope you're happy. Uh, oh, for me, it's Mega Man Legends 2. Anyways, Muffin Crumbs writes in and says, Hey, Ben and crew, I've got a game for you. I'm going to list two media franchises. You need to pick which one has had more video game titles. Um, Sarah, do you want me to take the nice path or the cruel path here? What does that mean? <laughs> Look, it's what does just that a que- mean? It's just a question. It's just a question for you. A cruel. Okay, then, Sarah, this one's for you. Which franchise oh, no. has had more video games? Alien slash Predator or Barbie? <laughs> a serious Barbie, Barbie is, is not correct. Barbie? It is Barbie. Yeah, I would fight you, I say, I would like, fight you in Barbie. the streets <laughs> if it wasn't Barbie because I grew up on those games. Yep, 70 Barbie games. I Kitty. Wow. When I saw the question, I didn't know the answer. My other guess was Hello Kitty. Ooh, interesting. That's not in this list. But yeah, AVP technically combined has had 60 games. 70 Barbie games. That's mind-boggling. All of my early video games that I played on PC were Barbie games. They had that Barbie one wild console. game where you could, like, print out, like, like clothes and stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. that one was so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Leo, South Park versus The Simpsons. Who's had more? The Simpsons. Simpsons at 28, South Park at 9. Correct. Janet, Starship Troopers or Super Troopers? 
<laughs> what? I don't even know what any of those words are. <laughs> what is this question? <laughs> I hate also, just because Sarah, you might not know this, I hate when we do these games. Oh no, oh and no. I, I have the same thing. And the other two people got the answer right. It, it, I hate it. I hate it. It's, it's like one series all over again. Please don't call on me. Please don't. And then they're like, oh, here's like, why don't you come up to the board? I'm like, please don't call me up. I don't know math. So, um, okay. what are the two? Oh, the first one. I have no idea what those words are. Correct. The first one. Janet got it right. Starship yes. Troopers has had five games. Super Troopers has had zero. God. All right, Leo. To close this out, Scooby Doo or Looney Tunes? Mmm. Looney Tunes. Correct. Seventy-nine versus twenty. But fun wow, fact: around the table, there are two franchises. They actually <laughs> share a video game. There is Scooby Doo and Looney Tunes Cartoon Universe: colon, Adventure. Which apparently is a game on Steam, and so maybe we can do that for Minmax Plays in the future, because I'm very interested in this janky-looking fusion of those two. I think if you went by which brand was older, you mm. pretty much got it in that game. I think you're right. By God, you're <laughs> right. But hey, everybody, uh, what do you like for a question of the week? Janet, you going with trivia? I kind of did like that one, even though I had a, melt oh, a meltdown during it. But okay, all right. I'll throw that one out there, but I'm open to other ones. Janet, I feel like you're seconds away from running to your bedroom and just shouting out the door, tell me when the trivia is done. Um, I'm already in my bedroom. Oh, crap. That's the other hellscape I live in. Like this, uh, the <laughs> office bedroom. You ever try to sleep when someone else is streaming? It oh, sucks. No, I <laughs> can confidently say I haven't. Um, let's see. I like the one about something you never thought you'd grow out of. I feel like that went some places. That was a little bit unexpected. I like the opening question that Leo didn't get to answer about the favorite game, something you'd fix in it. We did it for community kickoff. Sarah, does something pop out for you? I liked the Sarah. I'm contractually obligated <laughs> oh to say God. that I liked That's true. everybody. I'm to say something one. nice about Sarah. I appreciated that. Look, and that seems disgusting. But at the same time, Deep Space, Deep, uh, Deep Space Trace here, like... They were paying attention to a couple of subtle hints throughout MinMax Council, our patron-exclusive podcast. So I think they probably deserve this. They, they pieced the puzzle together better than anybody else. So, Leo, can you live with this? <laughs> It'll be, you know, day by day. <laughs> All right. Deep Space Trace, congratulations. You won the prize from I8Bit. We'll ship out Res on PlayStation for you, a physical copy. Thanks, everybody who supports us there. Uh, now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. All right, Leo, please regale us, dude. Get a look at this. My friend Icy Icy, who made Frog Wednesday 2 with me, my hit game. Oh, yeah. We made Frog Wednesday 2 together. He has a new project called Light Pong that the Kickstarter just launched and surpassed its goal for this cool gizmo that is basically two. It looks like Wii nunchucks, basically, but it's just one button and there's a cord of leds between them that lights up one person presses a button the light passes along the cord to the other one they press the button it passes back and you play pong like that I, and there's a variety of other games i played that game what really like i play yeah like unless that or someone made the exact same idea but i think it was at like a, a sh there's an indie game showcase that happens in chicago and i remember that and that was like one of the interesting ones because like they had a few like kind of physical like part you know physical part like game and that was one of them that's He's amazing. based in Chicago. I bet it was the same thing. Yeah. What the? I, I mean, I feel like why would they care? But like, let them know. I was like, I was there. Yeah, that one was cool. Okay, <laughs> that's, awesome. that's awesome. Cool. Link yeah. in the description, Light everybody. Pong, it's called One Dimensional Gaming. I'm into that. Of it. I would like With, to play that. Yeah. And they're going for like easy developer support where people can make their own games and stuff. It, it's he 
is so excited to be on this project. Like knowing him and how talented he is over the past few years, I'm like so excited that he gets to be lead on something that he is so excited about. So yeah, I'm stoked. That's amazing. Uh, get a load of this. It's more of like a, a newsy segment or something. Um, but I was quite shocked. I don't know if y'all caught this, and I know I care more than most people, but uh, Perfect Dark from The Initiative, Microsoft's new studio, their whole quad A studio they've been building up over there in Santa Monica. Um, they said, ah, I think we'll need some help for this. And so they're now co-developing the new Perfect Dark with Crystal Dynamics, which is very odd. So it's a Square studio helping to build this Microsoft first-party game. And so the connection there is Daryl Gallagher, who's the head of the initiative, was the former head of Crystal Dynamics, who's going back to his old team and saying, hey, would you be willing to help out here? And I guess there's enough talent there. I know like some people have uh, left, like the design lead, Drew Murray, left uh, the Perfect Art Project. The writer, Christine Thompson, she left after like a year. And so it's not exactly in crisis mode. Uh, Jeff Grubb just had an article today talking about how it's largely, yeah, they had a tough time staffing up at uh, the initiative, especially with COVID and stuff like that. So now Perfect Dark is being co-developed by the Crystal Dynamics team, which is very odd, but something to think about. Uh, Janet, you got something? Yeah, uh, I'm going to cheat and not say get a load of this right away because I want to mention that someone backstage pass said uh, that the event was called BitBash. So if you're in Chicago... Mm. Like, I think they have a Twitter account and stuff. Check it out because they put on these events and they're super fun. Um, and I played a lot of like indie games that ended, like I played um, Overland for the first time. Oh, there, yeah, yeah. Um, which ended up being like pretty big. So there's some cool stuff there. Nice. Uh, but get a load of this. Um, the Pokemon Oreos that dropped. Yeah. You already know where this story is going is eBay, baby. So where else could it go? Oh, so no. there are rare cookies in the or it's like basically they ha- an Oreo has been doing these collabs like they had one with like the Lakers or with the NBA um recently but where they just make like the cookie cracker part like instead of the Oreo design it's like something else like a sports team or like a Pokemon like where could this go wrong but some of them are rare so of course they're going on eBay Mew is the cookie uh which make that tracks right and they're going for literally like a thousand dollars on ebay like like a cookie like a preserved cookie so that's wild but my direct link that i want to share out is i was on tiktok and someone was showing the ebay listings of like a thousand dollars for like these cookies uh you know eight hundred dollars twenty five hundred dollars and they show them you cookie and then they just eat it and i feel like what stage of capitalism <laughs> is that that's something right that's a new wave oh my so that's god my of this. That's there should be riots absolutely there will be uh sarah okay yeah get a load of this if you go into steam go into dating sim mm-hmm. go to the very last page you will find quicken will maker and trust 2020 for i think they're selling it for 90 dollars and it has been tagged as and it is the official will maker that you can make you can use the software to write your will and it has been tagged permadeath dating sim first person story rich on steam and i'm just gonna read you some of the reviews of the quicken loan will maker it says Upon installing this game, I felt a rush of unparalleled power. I now had the ability to craft the final will and testament of not only myself, but fraudulently create the final will and testament of those around me, with or without their consent. (laughs) And then another one was just initially when Steam recommended this to me, I thought, damn, shouldn't have said Google Stadia was better than Steam in the vicinity of my Amazon Alexa Huawei smartphone. Okay, okay. 
But this was glowing reviews. All right, look, glowing it's the place to be. It's the place to be. Check it out. The link's below. Write a review of your own, everybody. I'm seeing that the 2021 version has been tagged Souls-like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, hey, uh, we have uh, get a little of this channel in the community where people are constantly updating uh, this feed with amazing little stories. And hey, get a load of this from the community. Uh, I blame Leafeon. He got that name after the latest episode of the New Show Plus where he completely blew it on something, but it's not important. The point is, I blame Leafeon. Uh, shared a tweet for Kat Bailey, uh, now at IGN, uh, where she tweeted, Today I learned that IGN used to be a magazine, and I have kindly volunteered to revive and edit it. Not a real announcement, but I had no idea that IGN used to have a magazine, and apparently they only released a couple issues. Uh, the one that she linked to with the image is about Ocarina of Time. It's labeled as like an IGN 64, the magazine, but... Yeah, I have it. Do you really? Yeah. um, Oh, gosh. I think it's... Is it in my closet or is it in... Does everybody at IGN just get one? Oh, Uh, my God. No, let me unblur the camera so it doesn't look like it's weirdly censored. Yeah. But I... (gasps) I forgot taking it out of the packaging. Careful. Pear, like, had it and was like, you can have this copy. Um, In the game history, Video Game History Foundation, uh, shout out to Kelsey, Lillian and company, they have some issues, too. IGN.com, the hottest games for all systems. It's a launch guide. You can find out which gaming system's right for you. And there's definitely... I don't remember offhand, but I'm pretty sure, if not in this issue, but in others, much like a lot of gaming magazines... There's, like, stuff that just never ended up happening. They're right. Like, this could happen. It's like, that's not going to happen. But shout out, they have Jack and Daxter Precursor Legacy in there, too, which is pretty cool. I'll probably <laughs> read that. Awesome. Um, I'm sure some stuff's horridly dated. Um, the, become Editor-in-Chief. That You can cut out this mask of, like, whoever was Editor-in-Chief at the time, I'm guessing. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of... There's, like, two or three issues of these, and this is one of them. That's amazing. Wow. I can't imagine of course, why they stopped printing those. <laughs> An ad for the Game Shark, because who doesn't who doesn't need one of those? Honestly, not to add more competition for Game Informer out there, but it would be really cool if they brought that back. Just for, like, a year, mm-hmm. IGN. Just make a magazine. Why not? Everybody make a magazine. It'd be fun. I dare why you. Why not? <laughs> Give me one reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any. Yeah, anyways, thanks, everybody. Uh, Sarah, thank you for being here. Wonderful yeah. job. We're excited to have you on board. Thank you, everybody. We're excited for you to, to put a big dent in our trajectory, please. Oh, I'm going to uh, dent it. Okay, good. I'm prepared. Thank you. I got my bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarapods. You can follow me on my Twitch channel, also at Sarapods. Uh, I'm going to be checking out the new Outer Wilds DLC, which mm. I heard was spooky, and I'm already really scared. But I'm going to do it anyways. That sounds perfect. Janet, you got anything going on? Probably, but all of the thoughts have left my mind. Okay, so great. just follow me on Twitter, uh, YouTube, Twitch, at GameOnesis. That's Game O-N-Y-S-U-S. Oh, I do actually have something I just remembered. We hit our sub goal of like over 200 subs total, uh, mostly in part because Fairy Mod Mother came through and gifted 100 Ooh, subs on my channel, which was crazy. Um, but now I, that means I hit my goal. This is like all-time record of subs for me, which is awesome, of uh, doing my hot diggity dog stream where I'm going to buy a hot dog costume and then I'm going to play Animal Crossing while wearing the in-game hot dog costume. And that's part of, that's basically the extent of my ideas because <laughs> um, I feel like for obvious reasons, eating a hot dog on a stream as a woman isn't a good idea. Um, so that's mostly what I'll be doing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, immersive. it'll be fun. So I'm going to hang out. Um, the the costume should be in today. I ordered it from Target. Um, 
obviously it probably won't fix it's adult one size fits all and i'm the size of a very very large child or a very very small adult so we're gonna see where the cards land and look uh, so i don't want to stay tuned i don't want to direct your channel but i mean have you ever tried about thought about making like a, a hot dog smoothie there's ways you can like reshape a hot I dog. I honestly have fun thought, you know, if we cut it up, I'm like, we can make this less phallic. Than it needs to be. You know, I always thought <laughs> the hot dog needed a less phallic redesign for right. um, uh, some time. So come through and see what we can figure out together to avoid being <laughs> in weird places on the internet. Hey, cool. Leo, yeah. are you going to be uh, any weird places on the internet soon? No, I was all set to shoot my new video, and then one of the cast members got the novel coronavirus. Oh, no. So we're delayed. Oh, right my now. God. Oh, but in the God. meantime, that sucks. Yeah, for him, not for me. Don't want pity for me, obviously. Uh, every Sunday, 7 p.m. Central, I stream. YouTube.com slash Leo Vader. Twitch.tv slash Leo Vader.com. D-O-T-C-O-N. Sweet. And uh, Leo and I, I think the plan is to, on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, I know that's a quick turnaround if you're watching this, uh, but we're going to be doing a bonus stream about Dead Space on Minimax's Twitch channel. There's going to be a Max Spoilers for Deathloop coming up soon and for Life is Strange True Colors. A lot of stuff going on. Minimax Council, our patron-exclusive podcast. Uh, yeah, talk about the whole engagement saga um, and also give a full rundown on Survivor so far so if you are also a survivor nut out there Minimax Council is the podcast for you because I'm going to be talking about it probably <laughs> a lot there uh, follow us on Instagram again you can see inside Jeffum's house leave a nice comment on the Sarah post and you can win a fixture S1 also like that one there a better quest we have coming up next week with Jeff Cork um, and Krista and Shazira as well have been doing a good job uh, rallying the community we had a goal a community wide goal the last month to share something new that you've cooked Nobody shared Brussels sprouts, but everybody shared a ton of amazing photos in the channel, in the Discord. So thanks so much, everybody. And so the goal for this month, for the month of October for uh, Better Quest is, within reason, it is to do something that scares you. It's fitting the Halloween theme. Crystal came up with that. Uh, Crystal came up with that. Yeah, but something in general that has scared you for a long time. Go ahead and tackle it and then talk about it on the Better Quest channel in the Discord. We can all get better. Also, we have a community game night coming up on Friday. Friday at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to be playing a game uh, that is... It's basically if a trivia game met Fall Guys. Uh, it's called like Survival Quiz City. I believe, but there's a closed beta that Bandit Namco very uh, thankfully has given us a ton of codes to play with the community. So if you want to play with us and join that stream, you can by jumping in the MinMax Discord. We'll be giving away keys in there to anybody who asks. We have a ton of keys to give out. So let's all answer trivia questions and have a good time. We'll be streaming. So give us a follow on Twitch as well. Also, we have the deepest dive on Metroid Dread coming up. That's going to be starting soon. So the game comes out next Friday. And so the first episode of that is going to be covering the first half of the game. It's going to be split into two parts. We'll be more specific later on when we can but we're going to be recording that on technically uh, the 12th of october so we'll be looking for your thoughts in the first half of metroid dread if you want to join our community game club uh on the 11th so support us at any tier on patreon you can submit a comment or your thoughts in general on metroid dread and then we'll read it on the show and if you support us at the five dollar tier you can unlock the podcast version of our full game club discussion of metroid dread all right, Sarah, thank you for being here. Everybody else, thank you for being here. And thank you to everybody who supports us at the Thank You Crew tier, the $50 tier over on Patreon. They say that their names are Fixture Gaming's Fixture S1, Fatal X Blade YouTube, I Am 8-Bit, Ludwig Roque, Zachary Pliggy, Andrew Ukowitz, Andrew Valla, Beaten O'Brien, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Mercury Toreno, to our hello, Mark Seliga, Best of the Rest Podcast, Call Me By Your Game Podcast, Clint Farley, Drew Oranis, Dan Valone, Ted Reiser, Steve Bamdad, Purebred Number 6, Clement Zobel, Starkiller, Chris, Spider Dance, Spiraling Your Eyes, Preview Your Legata, and Thomas. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go.